From the heart of the city to the outer edges of the Beltway and beyond, this is the District of Misfits Show. The drinking show with a podcast problem. This is your guide into our unique and beautiful city. The good, the bad, the ugly, as well as the funny, straight up ridiculous. Told by us before someone tells it for us. The opinions expressed on this show are our own. And we make no apologies. What's going on, my misfits, friends and families and frenemies and frenemies and enemies and all those good things? How was your weekend? Hope you're having a great Labor Day weekend. Tonight, as you can tell, we have a different kind of show going. <laughs> we dropped the two homies and picked up two more homies. <laughs> what are you laughing at, girl? You're supposed to Here we are. Look at you stepping in before you're supposed to step in. I have Stephanie Rhodes, Valerie Torres, and Sarah Pond with me tonight. Who are those two? We'll tell you who those two are very shortly. But right now, welcome to the show. And my lights. Is that your lights or my lights that are tripping me out? I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. It's kind of weird. That blue light's on. I see. You see how it's fading in my back? Look at that. See? Watch. It's going to go purple. When I point it out, it doesn't happen. It's like we're, it's like we're at the club. It like goes in and out. <laughs> You should have a saxophone right now. Do you have one in your house? No, I got a ukulele. I don't think that's the right light. Do you really have a ukulele? I got two. A play? ukulele? What? So when you asked me to do that for your theme song, I was like, who the fuck asked for a ukulele? But why do you have two ukuleles? I can't even spell ukulele. So. <laughs> I have a ukulele and a banjolele. And a banjolele is basically if Tennessee and Hawaii had a musical child. <laughs> nice. uh, is there videos of you playing these things? Because I need this. You need this in my life. I think there's one video on my personal Instagram. <laughs> and it's just me messing around while I'm drinking. Probably so why do, you, why do you have a, a ukulele in the first place? Uh, so during Peace Corps, somebody gifted me a ukulele. And when you're in the middle of nowhere and have nothing to do, that's the perfect time to learn an instrument. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> I accept that answer. So before we go any farther, Ms. Torres, can you give us a call to the actions? And you, if you are just <laughs> tuning in right now, you're watching the District of Misfits show, the drinking show with a podcast problem. Hopefully everybody has something to drink with them. Right I know now. I do. Um, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at the District of Misfits show on Twitter at DC Misfits. Um, you can also find us on YouTube at the District of Misfits show. Please like and subscribe go to our channel and you can find um, lots of different content, previous episodes of our shows, both the District of Misfits show and for uh, past DCS fuck shows as well as- And soon other, these two young ladies as well. <laughs> some of our other content like other District Doc Face Studio podcasts. Um, you can find us also on Twitch at District of Misfits. If you'd like to purchase some gear like the hat that Marcus is wearing right now, please go to crushingdc.com and you can see all the different things that we have on there. If you'd like to create your own podcast like these two ladies have down there, um, or if you'd like to be a guest on our show, please email us at district.fastudio at gmail.com. So I'm looking at my tequila, Val, and it has like an orange sticker. Was not on the discount rack? No, it just was clearance? on sale. It was just on sale. Where'd you go for this one? Old Reliable, where I always go. Oh, where's that at? 
You know what? I could take. Oh, that, I know. What I could take that bottle back if you'd like. No, it's already open. I no, I mean, I can take it over here instead of oh. being. Would you like a shot? Would you like a shot, Miss Torres? <laughs> I'd like you not to complain about the. Oh, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that my bottle has it. <laughs> our sticker it's on it. Not your <laughs> bottle. Yeah. It's my bottle that I paid with my money. So uh, <laughs> I love it. I love anyway. it already. Anyway. Hey, have we cussed yet? We haven't cussed yet. My week? I don't remember. I wasn't asking you. I was asking the ladies. <laughs> ladies, it's been a good week. It's been a good week. It's been a good week. I don't have to work at all next week, so you on vacation? Yeah, yeah. Nice. All right. Nice. Y'all already talked about um, two things that trauma. Well, one thing that traumatized me. We did. We did. Yeah. It's only been six minutes. How did we talk about the ukulele? <laughs> I, I don't know how, the, the ukulele traumatized me. Like, I don't do ukuleles. Anymore. We'll have to get back to that later. Oh, wow. Yeah. Who Sarah, how was your week? <laughs> uh, it was good. If you know me, you know that I probably ate a lot and posted about it. So I like had a it. few good meals. Been going out with my mom on Fridays lately, and we um, made a exception and went out today for some seafood in Baltimore. Fun. Where'd you go? Went to Baltimore Seafood. They have really good seafood boil bags, Yum. paella, and a tiramisu tasting Tres Leches cake. <gasps> I mm. love Tres Leches. Up dirty to me. Yeah, I know. So good. <laughs> nice. Okay, Marcus, how was your week? I don't remember. I went somewhere on Wednesday. <laughs> I went to a, oh, I went to a fundraiser on Wednesday that everybody in this room actually went to. Yeah, we were all there. <laughs> It was a fundraiser for the DC abortion fund at um, Ancho, who the one of the owners was our, our guest last week, and they had a um, a fundraiser for the DC abortion fund, just a really tiny one. We pushed out a T-shirt, a collaboration T-shirt between Ancho and Crushing DC. Marcus, do you have a T-shirt? Perhaps. Uh, that I design? Give, oh, okay. I do give you some. Well, I had to restart the computer, so I lost all my pictures. So I had to re. Um, well, so we were there, and these two lovely ladies on below me right now, they were also there to support, which was lovely. Thank you all for coming. Um, there's some of our, that was, if you want to buy some of the merch, you can go on um bonfire and find it um but you can also hit that. it's actually in the show notes if you look down at the show note links you'll be able to see the website <laughs> charity so we have a lot, the nine different um items apparel items so there are a couple of a few tank, tank tops t-shirts long sleeve shirts um a hoodie i forget what else that might be it different types of t-shirts um hoodies uh tank tops so please support 100% of the proceeds go to the DC abortion fund, obviously in light of the, um, the ruling by our lovely SCOTUS to overturn Roe v. Wade. It's very important that we continue to support any organization that aids in um, helping anyone who is pregnant and who is seeking access to safe, and affordable abortions that they are able to do that. So 
also we wanted to make sure that we keep in mind that not only is it abortion rights but access but also just overall reproductive rights because we should have that and it shouldn't be decided by a bunch of white men in power sorry y'all so hey we got through the first 10 minutes look at that i'm impressed we didn't curse that much oh we don't have jamie on as well <laughs> and we may never have Jamie back. <laughs> Jamie might not be on. Never again. Pat, <laughs> would you send an email with the link to that website? To you? <laughs> Personally? Yes. And crushing. All of it. All of it. So many emails. Anyway. I went to Dewey on Monday, this past Monday, which was fun. I haven't been to Dewey in a while. That's anyway. a lie. When was the last time we were in Dewey? Last year. Because that's a while. <laughs> What's Dewey? Dewey Beach in Delaware. <laughs> um, oh, and funny enough, we've talked about this on the show before. I always say that every time we go to Dewey, I somehow end up trying a different kind of seltzer, which funny enough is that like, I really, I state tell everybody knows that I drink Bud Light and then I transitioned over the Bud Light next because it's a little no carbs Bud Light. But when I'm in Dewey, somehow I just end up trying different kinds of seltzers. And when I was there and I mean, when I'm in Delaware, but when we were in Dewey, they happened to have these new flavors of White Claw White Claw Surf, not to be confused with the White Claw Surge, but White Claw Surf, and um, they were quite tasty. I didn't mind them, but I also realized that I probably couldn't get them anywhere else but at the beach. They're well, they have crush flavor, right? Huh? Definitely crush. They had the crush flavors. I sent you a picture of it, of them. Oh, you did. Uh, um, the crush flavors. If you know anything about the beach, the Orange Crush was originally. Uh, created in Ocean City, Maryland. Wow. So, so it was like they're like a take on the crushes. So the citrus ah. yuzu was pretty good. Ooh. The tropical ah. pomelo was pretty yummy. Mm -hmm. um, watermelon lime wasn't my, was probably my least favorite, but it was still pretty good. The wild berry acai is that how you say it? Acai? I don't know. Yes, that's exactly how you said it. Actually, um, ah. smash that one was my favorite. Like I loved it. And oddly enough, yeah. I had been talking about it to my friend Hassan and he said he was just in Hawaii and he said at this one bar that was the only flavor they had and he was like it was so good he was like I drank it all night long so I wish they just sold well first of all I wish we could get them here in this area but don't believe that they're available um just probably at the beach it's tasty beaches um, yeah kind of makes me want to go back to Dewey <laughs> just go get them <laughs> I feel, like Yuzu, go get them. I feel like Yuzu's yeah. been having a moment for a while now in terms of like the cocktail scene, at least at uh, Zeppelin. Yeah. It's been about five, six years, I think. I mean, I think as a chef, I first noticed it in 2014, maybe 15. Yeah, yeah but I feel like it disappeared and then it came back. What's I mean, bars. no, you, you're probably right. Yeah, I think you're right about that, actually. Yeah. Also, watermelon, I'm kind of like, I feel like no one ever duplicates the flavor of watermelon ever. It's ever. too ah! it's, it's like sugary, sugary <laughs> But it's, it's like they, they have that Nutrasweet flavor to it. Yes, I'm always like, why? Jolly Rancher, 
do this. <laughs> really what it tastes like, watermelon. Now I'm having some passion fruit. So because I couldn't get the, uh, um, well, really, because I couldn't get the Bud Light next, but because there's no um, surf ones, I got the, the newest rendition of the variety pack, which was this. And they had this passion fruit, watermelon, um, lemon, and tangerine flavors. Mm. Yeah, so that's what I'm drinking right now. Um, Tia, what's up, Tia? Thank you for listening, Tia. Tia's here? What? Yeah, she, no, Tia's texting me. She's listening to the show. Oh. Hi, Tia. She's we thriving. miss you. Yeah, she wants to come on next week. So we'll bring we her on next you. week. Yeah, so come on next week, please. Stephanie, you're on next week as well, right? I, I am I? I am? I don't know. <laughs> Can I go with uh, <laughs> <laughs> next week's episode. <laughs> That's exciting. Okay, I'm glad. Allegedly. Allegedly. All right. Um, um, wait, one more thing. One more thing that happened to me this week. Yes, ma'am. So yesterday, I uh, was at work at Down by the River. Down by the River. At the Riverside Grill. Nick's Riverside. So my former colleague, so anyone who's listened to the shows before has probably um, heard me talk about how I used to do early intervention, which is in-home therapy for infants and toddlers as an educator. I was a special educator. Um so I did that for several years. I haven't done it in a while. Like uh, it's probably been about seven, eight years that I, when I left. Um, but one of my colleagues um, just happened. My old co former colleagues just happened to come in yesterday. It was her husband's fiftieth birthday. So he was. They they rent they rented out one of the paddle boats. There's her Amanda. She's lovely. She was so. If you don't know what early intervention is, it's like I said, it's in home therapy for babies. Oftentimes they will recommend um, to have what I was doing, which was overall global therapy. They they refer to it as either special instruction or cognitive therapy or special education, whatever for babies. And then there's always like an OTPT speech person. So Amanda's OT, occupational therapist. And uh, so we did a lot of evaluations together. We did a lot of therapy together because oftentimes like uh, developmental therapy and um, occupational therapy go hand in hand. Um, so what we also did, we would do a lot of evaluations and oftentimes, so this was, like I said, several years ago, I don't know how this the situation was is now, but back then um, the foster care system was inundated in DC. So they oftentimes um, placed kids in Maryland, they were wards of the district. So they were all in PG County and they were all like out in this, you know, in Brandywine and like, you know, whatever, all these like kind of out in the sort of boonies in PG County. And we would just be out in the middle of nowhere. And there's, this, I mean, this was like 12 years ago. There's one time we were like driving, um, like we were looking for this woman's house, couldn't find it. We we pulled off and it was sort of before like GPS was really accurate. You know, there's really no Google Maps. And um, there, <laughs> pull over and uh, I forget exactly, we might've been Upper Marlboro maybe. And uh, um, we were trying to figure out where we were going on some like a dirt road we pulled up and this guy drives up and he's like, can I help you? And we were like, yeah, we're trying to find, he said the woman's name and he goes, 
oh yeah yeah she lives like if you go down this way go down this dirt road cross like the the railroad tracks keep going go till it's gravel and he was like yeah they don't like the municipality doesn't even recognize her house and we were like what <laughs> we just got i mean it was I was, uh, we were driving and I was like, I was hearing deliverance in my, in my head. I was like, wow. <laughs> I was like where in the world are we? <laughs> and we finally drove up to the house after we stopped at this one, this one person's house. And the, the man was like, he was like, I think she's in the hospital. And we were like, what? Like we're scheduled to go evaluate two children that she had as her ward. So we would go up to the house and it's all like just dilapidated there's like shit everywhere on the yard and like you know it had just rained so like it was really rainy and like muddy and i just looked at her she was in her car and i like we looked at each other and i was like um i feel like we did it we gave it the good college try right she's like yeah i feel it. i mean there was outhouses you know there are outhouses these are like babies who you know two-year-old and uh, I think it was like a nine month old brother, brothers. And and I was like, I mean, I just, I feel like we're done. I think, I feel like we tried. She's like, yeah, yeah, we tried. So we just like turned around and left here. Turns out that like the, the foster mom was actually in the hospital and I don't know where the babies were. So. In the outhouse? They were not in the outhouse, thankfully. But yeah, I mean, it was crazy. I mean, it the 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 stories that we have to tell about like some of the kids that we gave. I mean, at one point I was like, I mean, if these people are foster parents, like I could be a foster parent. <laughs> like, I, was like, I feel like I could really be a foster parent because some of these people, I was like, I mean, God bless, but like, I feel like really you're just trying to take that. Get that get They're getting that check. They're getting that check. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. It was crazy. It's funny. I mean, like, yeah, it's been years, but still like <laughs> we have like the war wounds of it all <laughs> also she's still, i mean huh? she's still she's still she's doing, doing it. it she's not doing it either but like you know i mean it was stressful and it wasn't because of the children it was never because of the kids it was always because of the system you know and uh um it's just crazy my i don't miss it i miss i miss working with children i don't miss all the insanity of the DC early intervention program, to be honest, like I, I don't mean to speak poorly of them, but it was so disorganized. Um, I mean, and just typical of, of the, the, the government in general, like DC government from top to bottom, you know, I mean, like it was a federally funded program. Um, early intervention in general is federally funded, but like each jurisdiction has their, like, you know, they have their own regulations and they have their, their own oversight. And yes. like the program here in DC was just so fucked up all the time. Like yeah. we were just joking about how she was like, what, what, what did they call you? And I was like, I don't even know. Half the time it was like, they, they didn't have a proper title for my position because they kept, they couldn't decide what the special educator was. Like it was sometimes it was, sometimes they just said special educator, then it was developmental therapist, then it was cognitive therapist. Then it was like, I mean, it was, just, they couldn't decide. And I was yeah. like, how do you not decide? Like, this program has been in operation for decades. How do you not know? <laughs> this is crazy. 
anyway, it was fun to see her and I was happy to see her again. And I'd love to get together with all that because we we had we worked for a vendor. We weren't working for the um for the program itself. We like the um DC Early Intervention Program, they contract out to different vendors. And so we worked for a specific pro a co a company and there was an OTPT speech and me. And like, you know, we all sort of collaborated together. It would be fun for us to all get together again. Oh yeah. That's my story. <laughs> <laughs> so it's over now, right? We can continue. See this, Marcus? I'm gonna turn <laughs> Stephanie, <laughs> Stephanie, did you find did you find that four rows yet, Stephanie? Uh, Stephanie, you got your four rows yet? Four, I did. I already had it. I did it. Did you put it back away? I did. What? No, Why not, don't you keep it with you? Because we're works. gonna do. We're gonna be drinking throughout. Yeah, I mean, I have. I have this. Ma'am, I've got. I'm. I'm stopped. Look at this. Look at this. I love that. I mean, the red wine. Is that the same red wine that you were drinking on Wednesday? No, absolutely not. No. You didn't. You didn't find it again. Mm -mm, I don't. That. Well, no. The red wine we had at the first place, the abortion fun place. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That was amazing. I have not found it yet. No. Hopefully, I can at some point. I took a picture. <laughs> so I'm gonna get on that eventually, but. Cool. I mean, I have to. Okay, so just side note: the I also need to. I feel like it's important to mention that um, after we left the Ancho, we went Ancho. We went to Queen Vic to for celebration of life for one of our friends who passed away. Marcus is my one of my coworkers. Marcus's friend, um, Joe Skinosi, who passed away. When was when was it? In August. Three weeks um, ago. He had worked all over the city, um, but he worked with me at St. Arnold's. He also, he worked at the Queen Vic. He worked at um, Granville Moore. He worked at Duffy's. Um, and so they had this celebrate another, like a memorial for him on Wednesday. And so we went to Queen Vic. So we rolled on H Street on Wednesday. So a little cheers to Joe. And anybody knows me on H Street. Cheers. It's always a long, long, long night. Or Denny's. <laughs> oh, we didn't do Denny's. We didn't. We did not go to Denny's. Thank I couldn't eat. I couldn't eat anything that night. You kidding me? I couldn't eat. I couldn't eat. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make fun of my disability. Stop making fun of my disability. That Just. has nothing to do with your disability, Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow. Anyway. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about, um, very quickly, I don't want to get too much into it because it, it annoys me, um, but I feel I like will talk about it more, but everybody knows that I started on the show because um, eight, four years ago, there was the, the Initiative 77, which was put on the ballot to um, eliminate tip credit, and I ended up being very, very active in fighting against it. I'm actually wearing this tank top in honor of how, you know, the, the industry came together and fought against it. Um, there is a new initiative that had been proposed that had was supposed to be on the primary ballot in June. We successfully gotten it off the primary ballot. It is, it was officially approved to be put on the November ballot um, this year in DC. 
Uh, it is, uh, it's a, you know, second cousin of Initiative 82. It's called Initiative 80, 80 I mean, of Initiative 77, it's called Initiative 82. It is also set to eliminate tip credit. And I think that I speak for many of the industry um, folks who believe that it would be detrimental to our industry if um, the tip credit were eliminated. Um, the tip credit allows most establishments to um, employ a lot more people in front of the house in order to provide the best experience to guests. And um, by paying all of our us as front of the house employees a, a lower uh, minimum wage in order for um, the the establishment, like I said, to to employ more people um, with the understanding that we will make the majority of our income through tips. Um, if you don't make the equivalent of um, so our prevailing uh, Minimum wage right now in DC is six, 16.10. If we, if I were not make the equivalent of 16.10 per hour with the tip minimum wage plus my tips, then um, the employer is responsible for making the difference. I don't think once in the three years that I've worked at Nick's Riverside Grill that they've ever employed the tip credit for me, not once, because I make well over minimum wage. And fuck if everybody knows that like I would not survive. Nobody can survive, but with sixteen ten an hour in DC, nobody. I mean, in most places in the nation, you can't survive on sixteen ten. But yeah. like, you know, I make well over the minimum wage. Most people who are in the city make more than minimum wage. Um, our minimum wage is actually the one of the highest in the nation, and. Um, you know, I think that it would really decimate our industry, the industry that is already hurting from pandemic, you know, that for two years we were suffering. And uh, you know, these outside interest groups who really exploited and took advantage of, of the crisis that we were in, that the nation, that the, the world was in to, you know, propel their own agenda. You know, these, these people just, have a complete, they don't give a shit about workers. They don't give a shit about any of us, you know? And uh, um, they're just trying to push their own agenda. And it's frustrating to me that they are back again. And like, we are all, our, our side, we're exhausted. You know, we don't have as many people fighting. We don't have as many people in the industry. We don't have the resources. We don't have like the, the people who were really in the front lines last time. You know, we're overstretched, we're overworked, you know, people are still trying to make a living, we're still trying to recover from, from pandemic and um, from the lockdown. And we don't have the, like the energy or the bandwidth to be fighting with these people anymore. And they, they are paid political operatives, all of them that's their job to sit there and fight for this this thing that you know they go out and have to be, we don't have the time you know we're all working you know full-time jobs and working at our, at our own establishments and then we have to take time off like i have to take time off i have to use my my um free time to go and you know meet with people and 
um, go to meetings and figure out how we're going to save our industry. And it's, it's frustrating, you know, um, we, there is a website that has been launched that is against like, it's uh, what's it called? Um, no to 82, right? Is that what it is? Yes. Um, and several of us veteran industry workers were um, asked to record some video to compile uh, um, a short snippet of um, why we don't think that 82 is uh, um, a good idea. Do you have that, Marcus? Nope, it won't download. Super. Well, you can go to vote no on 82, <laughs> vote no 82 to see the video. Um, so it, it most, all of us were had been pretty active last time in 77. So we're still fighting the good fight. I don't know. I mean, I think it's like I said, it's very frustrating. Uh, I, I feel like we're fighting a losing battle and it's imperative that we educate the um the voting public in DC to to let them know that you know it sounds good, and yeah. I think that it makes people believe that they're they're helping the the downtrodden and the marginalized and the like sort of you know they there's there's this notion that industry workers and service uh, that you know bartenders and servers and barbacks and whoever that were kind of stupid and we're being taken advantage of by our employees our employers and you know i mean something that we talked about all the time in 2018 is that um in dc in particular the the service industry probably has like the highest educated population than like any other place in the nation you know i mean i just talked about how i used to be an educator i have a master's in special education i chose to be in this industry, you know, because fucking hated, like, spending all my time, like, focus. I mean, I had no free time. I was, I was doing, I, I come home and I write reports and like, you know, I mean, it was, it was mind blowing, you know, I mean, it was just like soul crushing to me and I didn't get paid enough money as an educator. As someone who has a master's degree from the Hopkins, Johns Hopkins University. Are you playing that right now? Is, is there is there sound, Marcus? No. no. All right. Well, there's the video. Um, the per person who was on it before was Valerie Graham. There's Ross, um, Mike. Both of them are you know good friends of mine. Um, there's Dylan who works at Purple Patch. There's me. <laughs> um, so please vote no on eighty two and tell everybody that you know that it. it you know, the majority of industry folks don't agree with it. You know, if you ask most of your bartenders or servers, they would tell you the same thing. Um, so that's my little thing. We'll talk about it more as the time wears on. I mean, uh, election day is what, in like two months. So we have a short period of time to educate the public to get them to understand that this is not good for us. I definitely have friends who are on the fence or are just not aware of this initiative. And that was the case when 77 was out as well. So I really appreciate you for sharing that information with us tonight because I'll definitely forward that along to my friends who are 
unaware of what's going on. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I appreciate that. And honestly, like it's a, the problem is, is that it's a nuanced situation that should never have been put on a ballot for voters to decide how an industry should operate, you know, and make their living. I mean, something that we always used to say is like, I would, we would, there would never be in any situation, you would never have an initiative to determine, for instance, how realtors are paid. Yeah. You know, I mean, that you would, that would never be put on the ballot. You know, it would never be put on the ballot how lawyers should be paid. Why is it put on a ballot how we are being paid? You know, I mean, there isn't, there, there are things that were, and we, you know, we talked about it very briefly last week with, um, with Rachel, who's the owner of Ancho. Um, they don't employ the tip credit, you know, that works for them. They, you know, that, that is a, they have decided that they did not want to use it. They are paying their um, staff a specific salary and they pull tips and there's a service charge that is automatically added onto every check. And that's great, but that shouldn't be mandated by law. Like we as a service industry, employers should have the ability to decide how to make, how to, how to set their, their business model. And then employees should have the right to choose whether or not they want to work at a place like Ancho where they don't have a tip credit or work at a place where they do have a tip credit and you have a little bit more control over how much money you make, but, it, but there's a little bit of risk. And that's the thing is that you, you know, going into the industry, I always knew that there was that sort of gamble, you know, one day you might make $70, another day you might make $600, you know, and that, that was just the, the give and take and it was all ebb and flow and it all kind of even out in the wash, you know, those days that you didn't make a lot of money were, you know, outweighed by the other days that you made like a lot of money. And so, you know, some people feel comfortable in that scenario. Some people want the stability and predictability of knowing how much you're going to make yeah. every shift, you know, and that should be up to the establishment and it should be up to the employees. It shouldn't be up to the voters, you know, like Marcus, you're on mute. <laughs> it's like Stephanie said yeah, when we were there, get ready, when we were paying our tabs, she's like, ah, this makes me uncomfortable. I don't like this. Yeah. I was like, I, do I, if, if it's, see, but that's the other thing is charge, that there's a service charge. Like, do I tip mm -hmm. on top of it? Do I look like an asshole if I don't tip on top of it? Right. And so what? it should also be up to the, it should be a choice for the consumers, whether or not they want to go to a place that does that or not, you know, and all of that should be transparent. Yeah. Um, and I just don't think that that's something that like should be a broad brush decision that's made by an initiative that is put to the to the to the general public who doesn't have no idea. And I say that in not to insult the voters, but like ultimately, like I said, it is a very nuanced situation. And like that shouldn't be put to a yes or no ballot on. Yeah. You know, and, and also DC is a very transient city, so we're all coming from different places. Like I'm from Mississippi, and if you're if you're thinking about like how the service industry works in Mississippi, like you go out, like I know it's 
like you said, we were, we were like we were talking like if you're working at a Denny's in Mississippi, like mm -mm, like I don't know <laughs> if you're gonna make it. You right. know, yeah, I mean, and, and also like, you're not going to make it on the two thirteen an hour, which is not what the federal minimum wage is. That I believe should be changed. Like yeah. it's just it's 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 abominable that like the federal minimum wage and the tipped minimum federal tipped minimum wage has not been increased in many yeah. many years. Yeah, right. that should be increased. I yeah. believe. And in my very anti-union, anti-labor state, like they take full advantage of that. They're very much like we need people, we need to keep people poor, oppressed, and having to work 100 hours a week in order to survive, right. <laughs> in order for us to maintain power. So that's where I'm coming from. So I'm coming into DC, and you're like, oh, we're gonna raise this, and we're gonna give people a flat salary. I'm like, oh, sounds great, right? That's where I'm coming from, right? I have a very, I'm bringing that worldview with me. So I appreciate you bringing that up about DC in particular, that it is very nuanced, right? Depending on what part of the nation that you live in, where you are, it's a completely different conversation. Right. Right. I mean, I was a chef for however many years, and when I quit and I started bartending, I'm like, fuck, why didn't I do this before? I make so much more money than I did as a fucking professional chef running your goddamn restaurant. Yeah. See, but this is another thing. This is another part of it, is that there is a discrepancy between what the front of the house makes and what the back of the house makes. And that should be what needs to that that should be what the focus is, right? Because like you, by increasing the the by eliminating tick credit tip credit, right? What you're going to be doing is you are going to increase the labor costs for front of the house exponentially. So now you don't have the money to pay the back of the house. Yeah. You know, like now you're taking money away from what you could be giving to the back of the house. And now you're giving it, you're giving it to the front of the house to allegedly even the playing field, but now you fucked everybody. You know, because right. there's no way that you're going to give the raise to the back of the house because now you're taking that money that could be going to the mid front back of the house and you're pushing it all to the front of the house. You know, so this is their new narrative is that they're saying that there is this there's this inequality between front of the house and back of the house. And I what I say to that is like fucking Jose Andres. That's his new thing. He used to be against 77 against in limiting tip credit. And then he's change his tune and he's saying oh we need to equalize what the front of the house and back of the house is making and i'm like fuck you you're a billionaire like if you can pay the back of the house more money and leave the front of the house alone like that's my thing is it Full transparency that there is a horrible discrepancy between what the front of the house and back of the house pay pay the back of the house more why are you paying them so little then if you think yeah. there's a massive trans a discrepancy, yeah, like you can do it. You full I used to work for her, so yeah. she's not she's not wrong. So it just, it, I, you know, I probably should yeah. be like talking shit about him, but like it makes me angry that like some of these people who sort of pivoted, these owners and operators here in DC, have pivoted because they know that they're like on the sort of losing side. They're like, oh, well, we should really be paying. Well, fuck you. You should be paying the back of the house more money and you could afford it. And now oh, yeah. you're trying to take money away from the front of the house, you know, and ultimately by doing this, by eliminating tip credit, now you're fucking everybody. Right. You know, like now you can't yeah. afford to pay that dishwasher more. And what you're going to do is you're going to eliminate that position. You're going to fire him altogether and you're going to make the line cook wash dishes now. 
or yeah. you're gonna make the sous chef wash dishes because now you've eliminated all those like you know like supposedly lower positions like the like the prep cook and the line cook and the you know the dishwasher now do like now the or even i mean you take you ready your bus boys are getting ready to fucking your bar I mean, bags i i the one uh, one of the establishments who says that they you know they've they they've just leveled the playing the playing field and now everybody does everything so that means me as a bar back i have to go wash dishes if i mean as a bartender i have to go wash dishes now because there's nobody to wash dishes so if nobody's there i have to leave my post at the at the bar to allegedly where i'm like the the face of the rest of the establishment and like trying to like you know uh establish rapport with the guests and now i have to go back and wash dishes so now the guest experience is totally you know uh shifted and like they they don't have an experience anymore it's just like you're sitting there you know waiting for your food to come waiting for your drinks to come and like there's no interaction with like there is no front of the house anymore yeah right you're just waiting for your shit for somebody to give it to you and i've known a lot i know a lot of small businesses when i was going on 77 like my roommate at the time she owned a couple restaurants i mean she's not bringing home a fucking million dollars or anything like that but she's like i can't i gotta shut my place down if that happens like i can't afford to fucking pay everybody she's like no the experience gets the hit you know and most places couldn't and Sarah, you're a person that goes out quite often. That's kind of like why you're here. That's your thing. I mean, so your experience will be like cut in half, you know? Yeah. So the thing that concerns me is that, so for one, for everyone listening, I am, I have no experience in the service industry. I've never worked in the service industry, but I do have friends that are in the service industry. And the thing that baffles me, maybe not so much anymore, um, is that there are service industry workers that are like very much for this initiative. And I feel like, up until this point, like being a service industry worker is like a shared point of pride, but also a shared struggle. So why would someone in the service industry, if this is going to cause such a divide and like cost, why would they support this? Honestly, I think that they don't really understand how the service industry works. You know, I, I have friends myself who were like, well, you know, the owner should just pay us more money. I'm like, do you not understand how business works? Like the owners don't pay out of their pocket. Like the owner, let's say an owner does have a lot of money. I mean, most owners don't, but let's say like a restaurant group, like there are those owners who have quite a bit of money. They don't take money out of their pocket and pay you. They pay you through what is the revenue of the business. So if the business isn't making any money then they're just going to shut down their fucking business. That's yeah. what they're gonna do, and then you don't have a job anymore. Like, that's what people don't understand. Like, I argued with some of the people who work at my um, the sister restaurant of of our restaurant, and I was like, "Do you not understand this? Like, what are you saying? Like, they should just pay us more money. Like, they don't have the money to pay us. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, the way the business model is already set up, they are operating. All these restaurants and bars are operating a razor thin margin." You know, I mean, they don't make a shit ton of money. You don't make a lot, like, like hands over fists. Like, you don't make money that way with restaurants. You know, I mean, like, you just don't. They, they, they're, they're so, there's so many overhead costs, and there are so many unintended consequences if you remove the tip credit. 
you know, you're stop, you're, you're eliminating positions. You're also, um, you know, if your costs go up and your labor costs go up, that means let's say if, for instance, the service charge is employed. So now you're, you're putting in a service charge. That service charge no longer belongs to the tipped employee because we're no longer tipped, right? We're, we're paid in, like hourly employees. So now that money belongs to the, the establishment. So if the money is, is belongs to the establishment, now that's, in, in, um, that's considered revenue. So that means your revenue, your, um, what do you call it? Reported revenue goes up. That means your rent goes up. So now you're paying more rent because most places their, their rent is based on partially on their revenue sales and your sales. And then, so now you've, you've increased your, your sale, you've increased all your labor costs, you've increased all your general costs. So now you're going to have to cut corners and where are the corners going to be cut? It's going to be, you know, like all these places that are employing uh, local vendors, like um, farmers and distillers and breweries and all this stuff. Now they're, they're, they're not using that anymore. They're going to be going back to like the, the, you know, the nation, the national, um, not, not that there's anything wrong with like premium or like, you know, or, um, Cisco. Or yeah, whatever, but, you're not, but like, you're not supporting the locals. Right. You're not, you're now you're, you're, you can't afford to, to pay all the local vendors. And so now, you know, everything, you know, those people are suffering the, that those businesses now have decreased, decreased revenue. And I, I mean, there's so many other things that go on with it and it just, it's just, it's just mind blowing that, you know. You roll your eyes like that again. Do that again. Uh -uh. <laughs> I don't even know what I did, but it just, it's, it's so frustrating, and it makes me so angry. And I, and the, the thing that makes me the angriest is that these people who proposed all this don't give a fuck about mm. any of us. They do not. The guy who, who proposed this new initiative. Mm -hmm. He doesn't give a fucking shit about any of us. He is. He went to school for, for political science. Like he, he wanted to be in the politics. He even a hundred percent admits to the fact that he was only in the industry during school. So he could, you know, get through whatever, get through school. And he had political aspirations. And so this is his stepping stone to get into politics. And he has the fucking nerve to go to one of our friends who owns an establishment who was very active against 77. And he went to them and said, Hey, I have no bartending experience. Cause he was a server. I have no bartending experience, but I need to make some extra money. Do you think I could be a bartender here? Yes. DC nine. <laughs> <laughs> what did Bill say to him? They just kind of, I mean, they were very professional and they were just like, you know, just give me your, give me your, fill out the application. It's fine. But like who, the fact that he is so disconnected that he wouldn't realize that the owners of, of this establishment were very active against 77. He would come and say, I know that a lot of the people in the industry don't like me, but I'd like, I need to make extra money. So I'm going to ask for, you know, go fuck yourself, dude. Can we find his name? Like, is that I, can't, okay? I can't. I can't. We can't. Oh, no. no. Is he? Is he? Is he white? <laughs> Perhaps. 
the white knight syndrome. That being said, let me introduce you to one of our friends, Artemis. What What's up, up Artemis? What up? I haven't seen your face in forever. I know, right? I need to hit the barber. Yeah, I've been tripping. Yeah, man. You know, man. <laughs> I gotta hit the barber. What do all these people have in common? They all work with District Dog Face Studio. That's true. Artemis has also is part of um oh shit. Um Grande Luck. Can it all be can it all be both? The Labor Day family. No, you gotta pick one or another. Hamburger, can't I do both? No. You pick one or the other. Why not? The only the only one that I would hundred percent choose would be Uts because that's local. I'm going I'm going burger cerveza. Yeah, I gotta do Uts too. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Right, like Craven's we trust, girl. What do you pick? Oh man, it's a burger. If it's a service, it's gotta be a corona or modello for me and lays inside the hamburger. <gasps> Ooh, I like yo, yeah, hamburger, seltzer, uh Wait, you just say seltzer? You damn yeah, yeah. Uh. Cervezas are dope though. I like cervezas, but the seltzer's been kind of like you know, you know, you can kick back and drink a few if you need to. You're not, you're not you're pretty not, you know, heavy. And... You can also do both. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. Did I not say? Yeah. Can't we do both? No, not, no, no. You cannot do both. That's the girl drinking wine. I mean, no. Seltzer makes me feel like I'm on a diet. So when I drink seltzer, it just feels like <laughs> someone. Alcohol in my ear. As <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're being like, like, you know, it's just I can't. It upsets me. I get upset. I get upset. Yeah, I mean, you know, I can't. I can't I, do it. I mean, it's like you're being responsible yet irresponsible at the same time. So you kind of like being it. irresponsibly responsible. Yeah, that's 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 kind of how I look at it. So it feels like premium to me. That's what it. <laughs> Everybody, where you're coming live from? I am coming live from my work. I don't want to say where I work at, but I, okay. I am live from my job. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I just I just got off the clock, so I'm just like chilling. So. Um, so apologies, I got I got I got um sidetracked by this question, but um mm -hmm. yeah. So Artemis is part of one of our very first podcasts that we produce at Grande Lock. Mm -hmm. Which yes. Which, can't wait. Can't wait for you guys to start again. Yeah, we just gotta figure out schedules and everything. You know how I go. People get busy, so it, it's, it is what it is. You know. Grande so, Lock. Yeah. Um. Again, I need to say that they were they were voted. What is it? Thirty seventh <laughs> of some of that. Something. Yes, thirty seventh of forty five best hip hop podcasts in the nation. Yeah. They didn't even try. We didn't even know. They didn't <laughs> I, didn't yeah, didn't <laughs> I didn't know, like, you know, politicking for this shit. One of, one, of the, one of our hosts, Tia, who was texting Marcus earlier, she she just happened to come across it. And I was like, what do you mean? I mean, 37, you know, I mean, nobody right. even knew about it. Nobody tried. We weren't pushing it or anything. If you haven't listened to Grande Luck, if you haven't seen it, it's a pretty good podcast. Yeah, and it's crazy. Like so many projects done came out and everything. We haven't. We gotta play catch up. We gotta. Play we do. We do. You know. I always say. I always talk about how you know because I edit. I would edit most of their uh, all their videos, and I mm -hmm. you know, I'm a casual, casual hip hop listener. 
and I learn so much from editing their podcast. Every time I was like, oh, who's this guy? What? Who is that guy? It's like, oh my God, this music is awesome. What? You know, I loved it. It's awesome. You guys are the best. I appreciate it, Scott. Artemis definitely should be higher than 37. Artemis, you'll appreciate this. The other night I was out and one of my buddies, he was drunk. He's like, hey, name me me your three top hip-hop people. And, you know, I went through my list. Mm. Okay, that's one, blah, blah, blah. And but the other person next to us was like Faramanch. That's what's up. I was like, you know what? You're right. <laughs> and then I that's could a- be like, oh, I know who that is now. <laughs> yeah. That's a that's a good pick. Very good pick. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah, I do appreciate that. <laughs> Sorry, now we have you at a limited time, yes? I kind of, not, I mean, I'm off. I'm, I'm, I, I, I do need to get my ass home. But. All right, let's do this. <laughs> you know, we can you, talk. We can talk. We can talk. Let's give you the next ten minutes, and we'll switch over back to Sarah for any cravings we trust. Because technically, right. she is our guest. Oh yeah, <laughs> I love meeting new people. This is totally fine. <laughs> right. uh, Artemis just. The, I like this. There's more women on the show, though. You know, hey, sex. Right. I like it. You know what I'm saying? I like it. Go ahead, man. I'm gonna say you just got back from a trip of yours. You went around. Oh yeah, Let's talk I about. A, that. I did a mini show run. I I head up uh, parts of New uh, New England. I was in uh, Manchester, New Hampshire, Portland, Maine, Nashville, New Hampshire. Uh, came back to D.C. for a week, and then I went back up to um, Brooklyn, New York. Uh, just doing a lot of shows. Yeah, that was a lot. It was. Where in Brooklyn were you? Where did you do your shows? Um, so in Manchester, it was a place called Shasking uh, Shasking Pub. They do this thing called Rap Night Manchester. It's been around for like nine years. They've had all kinds of people there, like Cannabis and uh, Ari the Rugged Man, Karis One. It's like a historic night up there. So they're right. they're doing yeah, they're doing really dope. Yeah. Um, then I was at um, this place called Flask Lounge in uh, Portland. Um, they do this thing called Monday of the Minds, um, and they're connect and they're kind of connected with the Rap Night Manchester folks. So that was dope. And then there's this event called Omega Summer Four. Um, the people that throw that threw that together, they have a publishing company called Hellhound Publishing. And uh, the kid, this kid, uh, shout out to Cody Pope. He um, he hooked me up with it through his uh, company, Done Booking. And it was like a, it was like a, it's like this big like summer showcase they do every year. So I got yeah. to like kick it. I got to like kick it there, man. Um, I'm gonna tell you one thing. I did. I'll be. I'll keep it extra real. I did it with Dokar, but I'm gonna tell you one thing. If you try to do anything like that in New England, you have to go through Boston. Like it's like the central centerpiece to getting to anywhere you're trying to get to in New England. But you can't. Like, but you gotta make sure you get to the right place and deal with the right like bus like situation. Because yeah, Boston's a trip, bro. That's a. <laughs> I was in Boston at least like three or four times during the whole time. It was wild. Um, but I, I had a, I had a good trip, man. Um, Brooklyn. Um, I, it was the 10th year anniversary of the Brooklyn Wildlife Festival. Shout out to my man Chris Carr. Um, shout out to Melissa Gurney. They they put it on. They have they have a company called Blackland Ownership. 
that helped out with it along with um they they have like a office space called Gamba Forest, which is one of the places where they have the performances at. So um it's been like ten years since my man Chris has been doing it and doing this in at uh, Brooklyn. And um it was dope, man. It was just good. Like a couple people from DC came up, my man Polar Polaris came up, uh the homie Mana, she she moved back to uh, the Maryland area with her with her husband, so they, she was there. There were a couple of people, man. Uh, my man Height, Height. Height he was, he oh, I, to, I saw yeah. the post you did about with Height, man, dude. And you're right, Height has some dope ass music, man. He really does. Height, Height is my, that's my bro. You know, Cold Bounds Records. You know, and you were on and you were on his album recently too, or last year too. Oh, yeah, remember. been a couple of joints. Like matter of fact, the new album's coming out on his uh. His label. Um, we're gonna make the announcement at the end of this month. Like, we're just trying to Wait, get. Wait, you're, you're releasing on his album or his or his label? Yeah, I'm gonna put out. Uh, this is gonna be like for my my official solo on his label. Like, cause we talked about it before, cause because we, we already did our collaborative project together. Yeah, um, I'm gonna put that back yeah. up. Waterside, right? Yeah, we did. I so love that I, song. That so we. Great. Yeah, it was Waterside. We did. Hey man, they're like, that album was like let's explain that album. So that album was like Detroit versus Philadelphia versus Baltimore versus versus DC, right? No, that was so that was an if I'm not mistaken, that was a necessary people album where they just they hit up different. Oh yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Brought them together because because this See, is brought, brought together in my brain. So no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 because I was trying to think about it too. I was like, wait a minute, we because I've been on two of his solo projects but that was like a compilation that was like a production compilation right right um, right but he did with his man i alive uh so which i bought some from yeah exactly yeah yeah shout out a lot too man he just put out a single dope video too but um yeah man um they approached me to put out uh the next new next album um and we're gonna we're gonna pre-release uh another pre-release up at the end of the month we should um yeah, man, it's gonna be dope, man. It's uh, I'm proud of this project. I did half of the pro- production on it. Height did the other half, and um, yeah, man, I enjoyed making making this project. Oh, right. so yeah, man. So that's what what's been up, man. It's been been around the world, you know, and, and <laughs> only in the East Coast. I'm trying to get to the West, baby. so. <laughs> And get somewhere else in a second, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so that's on the next trip, West Coast. Yeah. I mean, no, I mean, no lotto. I prop, I mean, I do need to hit up uh Seattle and see what's up with my people's uh Noir Grand. Uh, I need to see what's up with uh, I'm trying to get out to Chicago again and Michigan, but it all takes time, you know what I'm saying? I gotta see, gotta see what's what, so you know, yeah, man, so nice. that's just out, yeah. Congrats. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh but yeah, um, I got more shows coming up. Uh Strangers to Click, my band. We we got a show at the Pocket with uh Brooklyn the Kid, who was a dope rapper. They're opening up for us on September tenth. Um I think doors are at seven. So if y'all not doing anything, come through um at the pocket. And uh I feel like I have two more shows. I got a show with uh, the Color School Band. Uh, Shouts to the Color School Band. 
Um, been doing a lot of stuff with them over the summer. We we went to Hannibal, New York, in July, doing some stuff. Um, we're playing at we're playing at a brewery on the sixteenth. Oh man, I wish I remember the name of this brewery. But it's a, it's just, give the, just give me the list of all your shit later, and we'll post it in the next couple. Yeah, shows. I'm trying to remember it, and I, we're supposed to do a private show, like private party in Ashburn, like like sixteenth and seventeenth. I got back to back shows with them, so. I'm just been busy, man. Just, when are the Lucky So and So's gonna have another show? Our show is September 30th at, uh, ironically enough, at the Artemis Club. You know, I got, <laughs> I got to talk to them about that, man. They got my name, and like, and people are like, like Artemis. Hold on, speaking, Artemis. speaking about Artemis, though, have you noticed NASA's new name is Artemis? Or not NASA's new name, but the new rocket they're trying to launch they can't launch. The one that they can't Artemis. get up. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> Artemis, what happened? Did you freeze? Sandy couldn't get it up. <laughs> what you did to him? Man. So, so why? He's, that's his government name, though. <laughs> As he's frozen, his... I'm gonna play a little bit of Water Slide. I love this. Artemis is back. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry Hello. about that. Yeah, I don't know what happened. I know as soon as he said NASA and Artemis is like <laughs> Well that was saying that Artemis or that uh NASA's Artemis can't get it up, so I was like, you know. Uh, you got you got to eat pineapples and shit, man. But I thought that was for the flavor, not for the getting it up. I mean, you gotta eat the right nutrients or order for them to do that. Right? Like, that's, that's I hear bananas issue. and avocados. There's too much leaking. That's what they said. No, oh, gross. <laughs> you know, that, that checked out. No. <laughs> Apparently, checked eggplant's out. supposed to help too. Like with the flavor, that's why, getting that's it up. I, that's that's why getting it up emoji. for virility, that's, I guess. That's why. Okay, that's why you see the emoji sometimes. Like when you <laughs> well, no, that's because of black cock. It's different. Yeah, but like you know, Is they're it? talking about something else too. I mean, I I mean, I did this this joint that she would just post that all the time. I'm like, why do you keep posting that? But now I get it. You know, I knew it was sexual, but I didn't know it was like sexually and healthy kind of thing. I didn't know that. Apparently. Apparently. I don't know. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> but no, um, no, nah, we do have a show at uh, uh, Lucky So and So's. We do have a show on the thirtieth at uh, the Artemis uh, spot, which is like they've been doing like these jam sessions on Fridays, um, like just booking bands. So we're gonna just like do that. Is it a um, Friday? It should be a Friday. It's a, it's a, funny enough, it's a day before my birthday. Nice. It's on September 30th. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. So, yeah. I no longer work on Fridays. So, yes. Good for you. Uh, Good I for might you. not be working on Friday for who knows. <laughs> <laughs> Just fake. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> Something's wrong. <laughs> All right, you got anything else for us, Artemis? You gonna hang out for a little bit, or you gonna get out of there? 
I probably yeah, I probably should get to the crib, man. I, I gotta enjoy at least half of the day off tomorrow. <laughs> there you <laughs> like go. Sleep in, sleep in. Yeah, I gotta sleep in a little bit. But now, um, now I'm, I'll probably listen in or whatever on my way home. But it was good to see y'all. Nice to meet you, Stephanie and Sarah. Nice meeting you. Nice meeting you. Good to see you, Artemis. Good to see you too. I need to come by where you at and just like hang out at the bar because I see you post sometimes. I said, like, dang, <laughs> I ain't got no time to come through. That's why. Like, all right. Do it so. soon. <laughs> do it soon? Oh, yeah. Are you doing soon? Oh, damn. That, that don't sound good. <laughs> Jesus. This week, I mean, is, I can come through this week, right? All right, all right. Yeah, I'll still be there this week. All right. All right. Marcus, my man. We'll talk later, bro. All right, Artie. Love you. All right. You too, yeah. man. I'll talk to that's our friend Artemis from Smoky So and So's and Artemis and Ronnie Locke and Artemis, all those fun things. I love the name. Artemis. Hey Val, hey Val, leave your camera. Leave that free sponsorship up. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Gotta leave that sponsorship up, guys. Yeah. All right, Sarah. Hey, Val. I'm good. How are you? Well, I'm fantastic now that everything works. I'm like two fireball shots deep, so I really can't complain right now. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I got my I got my third tequila, and, and you know, I'm waiting for uh, Stephanie to get the third. Third tequila. I'm actually gonna I'm gonna switch from like white wine to black, well, red wine to like something else. Well, I just, I, just get up, go go ahead, do whatever you want. It's cool. See, Sarah, just about we don't go live. <laughs> Can't turn back. So, Sarah, let's talk about you. All right. What you want? <laughs> <laughs> what you want? What you really, really want? Uh, well, who are you? What are you? And why are you here? Um, my name is Sarah. And by what are you? I'm assuming the DC question is what do you do for a living? So, there it is. <laughs> that's the case. Um, I am, a, I guess, a day walker. I have a nine to five. Uh, by night, I am a soon-to-be karaoke competitor for Zeba Bar on Thursdays. And 24-7, I am a food enthusiast. So in the show notes, I put food enthusiast because Sarah knows I hate the word foodie. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan, but I, I am guilty of using the foodie hashtag in my Instagram posts. I mean, what else are you going to use? Until you know better, what are you going to use? You know? Apparently, food enthusiasts is becoming popular, so I'm going to keep pushing that it. forward. I like that one way, way, way better, though. Yeah, the reason why I call myself food enthusiast, though, is kind of cheesy. So, basically, on an episode of The Bachelorette, there was a contestant that introduced himself as the meatball enthusiast. Oh, all right. And on That's episode fair. of The Bachelor. There was a female contestant that introduced herself as a chicken enthusiast. Okay. Both eating and owning chickens as pets, which I found very weird. But anyway, that's, long story kind of, short. that's disturbing. That's disturbing. You yeah. can't do that. Cir circle of life, I guess. But anyways, yeah, that's why I'm a food enthusiast. <laughs> right, all right. And I got some pictures of you rubbing. Yep, that's me being a chicken enthusiast. <laughs> <laughs> now where are you at in this picture? Um, this is at Purple Patch. Um, I think your friend. Is that when you Dylan... were doing the recording? Yeah, this is when I was meeting up with um, Dylan Curtis, who was a bartender at Purple Patch. But I actually knew him 
when he was the bar manager at Kitty O'Shea's in Tenley Town before it sadly shut down back in 2020. And everybody who's watched the show knows we've done two episodes from Kitty O'Shea's. And uh, we actually did our last show before the pandemic actually shut everything down was at Kitty O'Shea's St. Patrick's Day week. And so we were there like the, I think it was like the 15th we were there, then the world shut down. <laughs> yeah. And that was, I remember that St. Patrick's Day in particular because Kitty O'Shea's really knows how to throw it down in the kitchen, especially for St. Patty's Day. So they were scrambling to like give away scotch eggs and uh, just scotch all these eggs different specials. Scotch eggs are by far one of my favorite guilty pleasures of food. Oh yeah, I ate scotch eggs I think that week for like a week and no complaints oh about it, but I was uh, repurposing scotch eggs. I was like, oh yeah, this would be a protein on a salad. Oh my God, It's but it's just so good. It's just so, there's nothing wrong with a scotch egg. Nothing. Wait, why are we talking about scotch eggs? Oh, Kitty O'Shea's uh, during the, at the early, early days of the pandemic, it happened during uh, their St. Patty's Day special. So they so were- So I was telling um, them our last show was at Kitty O'Shea's. Yeah, so like March 2020, they were scrambling to give away all these scotch eggs that they had made oh, yeah. for their St. Patty's Day special and ended up taking home like a week's worth of scotch eggs. God damn, I'm so, so jealous of that conversation right now, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you were talking about- you were talking about your mom. Go ahead, Val. What were you going to say? I was going to say, the, I have a funny story about Scotch Egg. So, um, Is it really funny? That's uh, it's kind of funny. Um, when I used to do the boxing charity in, from, in Ireland, um, one of the families that I became very close with, the mom, the, 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 the McGiverns is what their name is. So, um, Hold on. What was their names? McGiverns. 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 So um, the, there were two boys who, who were boxers, and um, at the time they were teenagers. The mom and I, like, I, I loved her. So she was, I, I was in Ireland. She was, she was telling the story about, like, I don't know how it came up. And everyone was fucked up. Like, everyone was drunk. The kids were fucked up. Like, the parents or me, we were all drunk. And she was like, she's like, oh, yeah, you know, I like to make the scotch eggs. And we were like, scotch eggs? She was like, yeah, you know, the scotch eggs. She kept going like this. And we were like, what? She's like, you know, there's, oh no, she wasn't saying scotch eggs. She was like, she tr kept trying to figure out what she was talking about. She's like, you know, there's things like this. And she just going like this. We were like, <laughs> in front of her two children. And we were like, what? And she was like, you know, this, this. I was like, I just don't even know what you're talking about. Hold up. Uh, Stephanie. Yes. Do you have headphones or earbuds? I do not have a headphone. Wait, so you can I, have a, I have a Bluetooth headphone. Won't you grab them real fast for us? Okay. 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 Now, <laughs> Valerie, continue. Anyway, so we she finally figured out what she we we finally fit. Her husband was like, "Are you talking about the Scotch eggs?" So she used to make them. She makes it. She makes them. She made them. And, uh, and she was like, yeah, that's scotch eggs. And we were like, can you please stop doing that? And she was like, yeah, <laughs> And finally, she was like, no. And she was like all mad. She was like, why? You know, she was in her like Belfast accent. It was really funny. Thank you, Stephanie. <laughs> so every time I think scotch eggs, I always think this. And I was like, I love her. She, unfortunately, she passed away from COVID. Oh, that was the lady. Yeah. Tell them this fucked up story. 
<laughs> her whole family. God, it was terrible. So like she, like her, her, um, it was her mother-in-law was in the hospital during COVID this, and this was 2020. So like it was, or maybe early 2021. So it was like still sort of early and like nobody could go, you know, you weren't allowed to go to the hospital, but she was a nurse. She was a, a like, um, I guess they, they, they refer to nurses different, like they, the nursing aide, I guess is what she was. So they, the, the hospital was, a was allowing her to go to the hospital to see her mother-in-law. And while she was there, she caught COVID and like, they just thought she was sick. And like, so they admitted her and then she never went home and like, and then she ended up passing away. It was really sad. I mean, she's my age. I think, I mean, she might've even been like a couple years younger than me. Um, it was really sad. And then like the, the mother-in-law ended up recovering and she was, I mean, she, she was in the hospital, not for COVID. I think she had cancer, um, but she recovered and she ended up leaving the hospital, but like her, I don't know. I mean, passed away because of it. And, you know, I think that it was like during that, it was early on when, when people were still sort of like, you know, people were being very cautious, but at the same time, you didn't really know what we were dealing with. And so, you know, I guess sometimes you just like let things go and let things pass. And, you know, she was four, she was 42. No. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, no, she couldn't have been that young. She was a, she was my age, so she had to have been like mid forties um, at the time. So it was really sad. She had three kids, you know, and like her her eldest is uh, um, 24, 25 now maybe. Um, but I've known the younger the boys, like the youngest was fifteen at the time when I met him. And then the the middle child, he was 16 when I first met him. And then, um, you know, when I met his younger brother, I, they were with me during. I mentioned before that I did a boxing. I used to work for. I I I worked with a boxing charity, and uh, um, so the two boys, they were with me in Detroit when they came over from from Ireland, from Northern Ireland to Detroit, and uh, I was sort of watching over them his mom their moms their mom was very she was very nervous because she the younger one had never left home before he was 15 when the first time he'd ever left home so she called me literally every day <laughs> like, so that's how i became very close with them i love them so much they're they're the best the best family all right so sarah this podcast we have of yours tell yes. us about it tell, tell us. us about this podcast Sure. So I guess to backtrack to its origins, um, I started a blog in 2016 called In Cravings We Trust. And it talked about um, my cravings that I had in everyday life, mostly food, but also maybe travel related as well, and how I went about pursuing them every day. Um, now I am working with District Dogface on a podcast by the same name, In Cravings We Trust. But now I am exploring other people's cravings as I interview them. And it's about how um, these people either pursue their own cravings every day or they fulfill other people's cravings on an everyday basis. Sorry, I'm taking uh, quite a few drinks right now. <laughs> um, funny story. So uh, one of my 
interviews was with this uh, bar manager named Amy uh, Russell, who I met at Kitty O'Shea's at the time before it closed. And now she's a bar manager at Chuck's and Inn, which I highly recommend you all go to for really yummy um, tiki drinks and other craft cocktails. But anyways, we did an interview and she said her favorite interview style was Zach Galifianakis from Between Two Ferns. <laughs> so we called the show Between Two Bar Wenches and wore bar wench dresses <laughs> throughout the interview. And we got quite drunk and the show went from becoming between two bar wenches to between two cocktails to between four, six, eight cocktails. So I feel like right now I'm at between one, two, I'm between four cocktails, one water and a tahini bottle. Habanero <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to be a proper um, bartender slash host. I appreciate that. I will say though, um, this watermelon White Claw with the tahini on the rim is really hitting. Damn, I should put some tahini on the rim. Take it. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> now, keep in mind, these two are both Filipinos, so they uh, have a connection already before us. <laughs> yeah, I got a White Claw tahini connection, too. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to try some. I need to find the, the We can't hear you if you're not speaking in the mic. I said I need to find a watermelon. It's also good with the passion fruit. I'm going to try the passion fruit. Yeah. But yeah, I guess you can see I my life revolves around food and drink and what I'm craving and um my kind of girl. I have the cravings of a <laughs> pregnant woman. Mom, if you're listening, I'm not pregnant. I'm just saying I have the cravings of a pregnant woman sometimes. <laughs> and your mom could be watching. Yeah, she no, she's probably asleep right now, but she'll she'll see this after it's recorded. But yeah, my mom's been joining me on these adventures as well. So she was with me last month when I was doing uh, um, some B-roll at Purple Patch with um, Dylan Curtis and Zach doesn't have a last name, so I call him Zach Barksdale because he has a flip phone. Um, but my mom has just been... Oh my God, your mom was adorable. Look at this picture of your mom. <laughs> I was like, in it to win it. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, she's she doesn't want me to um, tag her in the photos for like work-related reasons, but I'm like, oh, like this is pretty innocent stuff. You're eating food and it's fine. <laughs> So her, her mom wanted to come to the studio and watch Sarah do some recordings. I'm like, mm, no, you can't. <laughs> I would have censored myself or I don't and know. So she Sarah's wouldn't like, have been ready. No, thank you. I'm not going to lie. This fucking tahini is amazing. Does it need tequila on top of it? No, thank you. <laughs> that might be a little overkill. I did that last week, Marcus. I mean, we don't need to be doing what, happened last what week? was I drinking last week where I was pouring tequila? Me for. Huh? I don't remember. Did that. I do that? Did I do that? Was I doing that? A dream. I think it was a dream. No, no, no. I'm pretty sure I did that. Maybe not last week, but the, at least, if not last week, maybe the week before. Because somebody called me out on it. I was like, and they were like, are you pouring tequila in your shelter? And I was like, no. <coughs> but then I was. I'm not judging. I'm drinking a PBR Fireball combo right now. <laughs> like the frat guy that I am. I like you're on the combo aspect of it all. Yeah, like I didn't know about combos until I moved to DC like eight years ago. Like I just it's, never it's come a across a combo. Thing. It's a thing. It's a DC thing. Yeah. So all right, it's not a bad thing. All right, here's the question: <laughs> Everybody's perfect combo. Oh. Don't anybody speak at all one time. I'm trying to think. 
I mean, Bud Light and a whiskey, I guess. See, Miggy is a high life. And I don't know. I guess I've been drinking powers. tequila lately. High life, so and then... high life and powers. Oh, the tahine went up my nose. I'm going to sneeze soon, probably. <laughs> Excuse me if I do. So, Sarah, I'm, I'm trying to find, like, your uh, blog, and I <coughs> I put in the Cravings We Trust, and all I'm getting is, like, iTunes and Spotify and Amazon. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, where's the blog at? I should just put blog in there. Um, well, back to the combo question. So even though I'm drinking a PBR Fireball, like this is more of my, my like working woman combo. <laughs> I think for my, my chill, like want to treat myself combo, I actually get at Fat Pete's uh, where um, I actually interviewed PJ. Um, Let me some PJ. Uh, PJ is the greatest. He served me this, um, I'm probably saying it wrong, the Glen Morangi mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. whiskey. And I don't know what um, exactly the type it was, but it had hints of cherry and plum. Goes down really smooth and it's delicious. So whenever I go to Fat Pete's for Whiskey Tuesdays, I get um, a shot of uh, Glen Morangi plum and cherry uh, with a side of uh, Truly's black cherry. And I'd say that's been my ideal combo so far. Nice. Next time you go to Fat Pete's, tell PJ I said hi because I have not been there in a while. Yeah, he says hi to both of you. In the recording, he kept going, don't you dare cut this out, and <laughs> proceeded to say every curse word known to man, and I was like, oh, it's okay. <laughs> All right, so um, here a few weeks ago, I was at Fat Pete's. Uh, no, I was at CP's at Cleveland Park Bar and Grill, and uh, PJ, like, I guess he had walked by and then he like turned around and left. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, yeah, you come by, you, you walk by and then you just leave. And he's like, I just had to go home. He was like, <laughs> he was like, I couldn't come in. Cause if I came in, then I'd be there forever. He was like, I just had to go home. Sorry, I miss you. Yeah, PJ's just a big old teddy bear. Um, and he just, I feel like he's Santa Claus in the land of misfit toys when it comes to Fat Pete's. Like, he just welcomes <laughs> anyone and everyone. And we're all weird, but it always feels like home. And you can be an asshole, but you have to be respectful when you are an asshole. So he's got standards. He does. He does. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly um, all women here. It's like, wait. I know what? This never all women. Normally, literally, this is like... <laughs> I like I don't even know what to do because normally it's me and a bunch of guys. <laughs> I feel like we, we need to take a shot to commemorate this oh, wait, occasion. Where's my, where's my thing? I mean, I don't normally do fireball anymore, but I will do it. You know what? I'm gonna grab my fork. Go person. get your shit, Stephanie. <laughs> oh, I have some, but I'll what? take some more. I'll take some more. I've been filling the cup and taking like half a cup. <laughs> Because these shop classes are pretty big. Yeah, I can just like take it as I go. I'm lazy. I don't want to keep pouring. Here, I have a cookie. Here we go. Ooh. I brought cookies. Yummy. Stephanie, if you were here, you'd have a cookie also. Oh, have one for me. Have an extra for me. Oh, I will. Yeah. My yeah. mom gave them to me. You would understand, Sarah. My mom was like, you take this food. It's good. She's like, oh, these cookies, they're very good. You take them. And I was like, okay. 
<laughs> so my mom recently, she um, taught this cooking class at this uh, summer school. And she gave me a bunch of ingredients. She's like, you look like you could use some yogurt and three bags of raw cookie dough. I was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Quick, we have to do our shot before Marcus comes in. Oh, shit. <laughs> we were doing a shot because it was all ladies, Marcus. Ooh, big ah. red. Uh, all week I've been craving biscuits and I have not been able to satisfy the craving. Now, like, thinking about where in DC you even get biscuits, even good frozen biscuits. For some mm -hmm. reason, I'm like, all weekend, I'm like, I want biscuits and I haven't been able to. I'm not going to lie, Marcus's former employer. Penny Royal, they have fucking kick-ass biscuits. Like where, I have the recipe. I can teach you how to make it. Oh, I would love that. Honestly, my grandmother, who passed away at the beginning of COVID, she used to always make biscuits when I was a kid. Like she'd make the, she'd have the biscuit pan, and she'd make it. She'd round them out. She'd put a little dollop of butter right in the middle, and it'd be like a whole biscuit pan. I would get two. She would get she two. She added more house. butter into the biscuit, which is full of butter. I like her. Yeah. A little, what? you know, well, she would roll you know, the dough and she's rolling it. She had a rolling pin and rolling it out, putting it all in there perfectly sized. And then you got the little, little I know that butter, a little hole, yeah. a little dollop of butter, and you just boop, right there. They were delicious. Yeah. Delicious. Delicious. Hmm. Yeah, so Marcus, we did a shot without you because it was only three ladies on the show. I'm cool with that. <laughs> Can we talk about combos again? I haven't given my combo yet. Yeah, well, what's your combo? Good. So it's Steak Rattler, the grapefruit. Mm. Old overall. I'm a big fan. Yeah. With what whiskey? Oh, yeah, overall. old overall specifically. Overhaul? Old overhaul? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My favorite combo. When was the first time you had that combo? Huh? When was the first time you had that combo? Uh, Red Derby, actually. Red Derby. Ah, I love yeah, the Red Derby. That was years and years and years ago. Yeah. So the owners of Red Derby are very good friends of mine. Oh, okay. All so right. Sasha, the the husband and wife, Sasha and I used to work at the third edition together way back when. But so why has she been on the show yet, though? Funny enough, her husband, I knew him when I was in college. Uh -huh. I met him. He used to work at American Cafe in Georgetown. So this was, you know, pre-internet, social media, and all this stuff. So I used to follow him around wherever he let. Like, he he and I, like, I met him with a girlfriend of mine and I, we, we used to, who went to Georgia, and also we used to go to American Cafe all the time. And he and this other guy, John, were servers there, and so we'd see them all the time, and we became friends with them. We'd hang out with them. And then once he left there, I, I'd follow him a little bit, but then I lost track of him. And then I started working at the third edition in Georgetown and um, Sasha was his now wife was working there. I knew her for years. I did not, <laughs> she would always talk about her husband. I had no idea who her husband was. So fast forward to, let's say, I want to say it was 2008. I went older, uh, Red Derby had just opened and I was convincing my teacher friends who I was working at this one school um, the Harbor School, and I was like, oh, we're going to be in Columbia, we're going to be out there, like, on, where, where is that, where, where are they? I want to say, I want to say Columbia Heights, but it's not Columbia Heights. No, it's Columbia Heights. Is it Columbia Heights? Yeah. So I was like, oh, we're going to be out in Columbia Heights, 
let's go see, you know, there was at that point, there was literally nothing there. It was nothing. We went to Red Rocks for dinner. And then there was like a bunch of like check cashing places and like uh, laundry mats and shit, but nothing else. And then there was Red Derby. So I was like, oh, my friend just opened Red Derby. Let's go and see them. So we walked there and this guy, Dave, that I knew from American Cafe was sitting at the front of the, at the, at the front of the door. And I was like, Dave, oh my God, I haven't seen you forever. What are you doing here? And he was like, I own this place. And I was like, what? I was like, do you know Sasha? And he goes, Sasha's my wife. And I was like, my head exploded. And I was like, you know, I used to work with her at the third edition years ago and it was it was a crazy like just like coming together of worlds like clash colliding of worlds and the three of us together and we all did not know that we all knew each other it was crazy i love them both um but yeah i love red derby yeah at one point i maybe have all i almost worked there but then i was then it just never happened yeah I've been there in years and years, though, so that was that was a long time ago. The one of you, I don't want to reveal my age, but I'm like, oh, it's okay Ooh. because I already talked about how old I was. <laughs> also, okay. I'm fidget. <laughs> <laughs> you don't look it. Thank you. You're very kind. Also, okay. Asian don't raise it. I know, right? It's a Filipino gene. Yeah, fuck you guys. <laughs> no, I, there was one show they said, like, you know, like, blacks don't crack and Asian doesn't even peel. And I was like, I've never heard that before. No, Asian don't peel. That doesn't sound right. It's Asian don't raisin. Yeah. Asian don't raisin, black don't crack. Okay. I was like, what I like that, I like, I like it. I'm like, but yes. I've never heard Asian don't raisin. That's new for me. Well, now you know. Now I know. Putting it That's in the true. book. <laughs> my mom is like wait what is she she's 78 years old she looks like she's 60 maybe 63 yeah, yeah my mom well she doesn't want me to say how old she is on a live recording but she definitely doesn't look her age <laughs> my mom yeah. doesn't listen to this she she doesn't even know how to sh watch a show so I don't know how to like throw a room not that she would, but my mom I was, was like, "What is this weird talking about? Do you have a show?" And I was like, "Never mind, mom. Don't <laughs> think, don't worry about it." <laughs> oh man, my mom asked like twenty-one times a hundred questions. <laughs> so I I know tomorrow she'll be like, "Where's the link?" <laughs> she'll probably have to talk to Marcus. Where Where's the link, Marcus? <laughs> There's no way my mom would even understand the link. She can't even fucking tell. The other day she was like, "Bambi," so my nickname is Bambi. Aww. And she was like, Bambi, how I was, I was home. When was I home, Marcus? On Thursday. So she goes, she goes, Bambi, I don't remember how to print. How, how am I going to print from my phone? So I had to like go through the whole step with her. And she's like, I don't remember. I don't understand how, how, maybe I should write it down. <laughs> my poor mom, she like doesn't get technology at all oh that's a fun question what what is everyone's childhood nickname i mean mine is mine is bambi mm -hmm. <laughs> but, 
But in all fairness, most Filipinos have some crazy ass nickname. Like mine is Bambi. My brother's was Boxy. His name is Johan. I have a cousin, Rochelle. Her nickname is Cricket. Um, my other cousin, Maria, her nickname is Chimby. I have another cousin whose nickname is Jingy. His name, his for real name is Gustavo. So uh, we we Filipinos have very weird nicknames. Yeah, I am. Um, <laughs> this is revealing too much about me, but whatever. I'm drunk enough. So my uh, aunt, because I lived in a household of women, like in my early years, it was me, my mom, her sister, and her mother, my Lola. And so when my mom would go to school my uh, Lola and my aunt would take care of me and they would just call me like all sorts of nicknames and they decided to combine my favorite foods as a toddler and make that my nickname. So at one point my nickname was Sarah, Sarah, taco, taco, fat, fat, pizza, pepperoni. <laughs> That's a very awesome long name. I know. Right. And so they kept calling me that. And then I had to go to kindergarten and the teacher asked me what my name was. And I introduced myself as Sarah, Sarah, taco, taco, fat, fat, pizza, pepperoni. <laughs> and the uh, kindergarten teacher was telling my mom, yeah, you need to fix this. This isn't. That this can't isn't, be her name. This that isn't right. So then my mom was like, this is your name. This is how you spell it. So for the next year, I went, my name is Sarah, S-A-R-A, -A, Sarah, like a robot. <laughs> <laughs> but my aunt still assigns my birthday cards as Sarah, Sarah, taco, taco, fat, fat, pizza, pepperoni. I love it. So when I, I didn't know that my nickname, I didn't know that from my for real name was Valerie until um, probably first grade, I think, because I got in trouble because they were calling me Valerie and I was like, I didn't answer. Also, my brother is a couple years older than me and he taught me how to write my name in cursive, mm -hmm. even though... I mean, in first grade, you're not writing in cursive. So I would write my name, Bambi. And the way the Filipinos spell Bambi is B-A-M-B-E-E. -E. So I write, I would write my name, Bambi, in cursive. And they were like, that's not your name. I was like, what do you mean that's not my name? That's my name. <laughs> so they kept trying to call me Valerie. And I was like, that's not my name. And uh, there was, we had a meeting. There was a whole meeting with my parents about how they needed to tell me that my name was Valerie Aww. and not Bambi. <laughs> so well, by halfway, halfway through first grade, then I realized I accepted that my name was Valerie. But now I'm confused. Now, like, now the children are confused. Like, my nieces and nephews, they don't, because half of my family calls me Bambi, so... The other oh, yeah. half calls me Valerie, so or Val, mm -hmm. and so yeah. the kids get confused because sometimes yeah. they think my name. Some people call me Tita Val. The Tita is aunt. So some of the some of the kids call me. Some of the families call me Tita Val. Some refer to me as Tita Bambi, and the kids are so confused. They're like, <coughs> they're like, well, I thought Tita Bambi was here, but then. They said that Tita Val was here, and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's me. I'm both. I'm both. <laughs> that's me. <laughs> it's very confusing for the children. <laughs> I get that. I get that. I said, my, I have an aunt named 
Anne. Well, her name is Anne. That's what I always knew it is. But all my all her sisters, including my mother, call her Nidra, and I was like, who the fuck is Nidra? Like for years. And years. <laughs> so, who that is? I was like, what the hell? I was like, I preferred Anne. Anne's a little crazy, so I'm like Anne. I feel like it fits more with the crazy. But yeah, she's a lot of fun though. I had a um. This was many, many years ago. I had to, this fundraiser that before you did, before there was like internet and stuff. So I had to just send out letters to my parents, my parents' friends to ask to raise money for, I was um, going to volunteer in Ecuador. And uh, so I would get these checks from these people that like my mom's friends and I couldn't, I didn't recognize any of them because they all have nicknames. And so, you know, I get these like, so for instance, like um, the person I knew was Tita Chol, right? C-H-O-L. I knew her as Tita Chol. And then like the check that was coming from her was like something completely, completely different. So I couldn't even, I have no idea who the, it was from. And so I'd have to ask my mom. I was like, who is this? Like, oh, that's Tita Chol. Or, or like, I mean, like the names are my my um, my mom's sister in law. Her name is Tita Butts. That's what I know her as. But her full name is Librata. So I got a check from Librata, and I was like, I don't know who this is. My mom was like, That's your Tita Tita Butts. I was like, oh, I have no idea. Filipinos are weird. Filipinos are crazy. <laughs> But you have to love them anyway. Right, Sarah? Yeah, because we love you <laughs> and we'll feed you until you're way past full. Way past full. Um, so what else? What else can you tell us, Sarah? What else is going on in your podcast? Um, so something that's been really interesting is that I've been interviewing a lot of um, service industry staff. And I didn't think it was going to go that way, but in a sense, I think it's fitting because when I explore my cravings, I cook at home, but when I don't cook at home, I go out and the service industry is the fulfiller of my cravings. So I'm just always curious about why um, these culinary superheroes, so to speak, why they do what they do and what makes them passionate about working in the service industry. So that's been the basis of um, a lot of these episodes that I've been interviewing for. I love that. Yeah. And it's just been a lot of fun. Like, you guys are a lot of fun. <laughs> What's your favorite like, type of food? Is there, like, a specific, like... Well, that's like saying what my favorite child is. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, hard, right? It's really hard. <laughs> um, at the moment, I've been craving ramen. So I'm actually going to try to use my Instapot to make some... Uh, Tonkotsu ramen because they sell pork bones at um, the giant in Columbia Heights. Okay. So I was going to experiment with that. Nice. Are there foods that you hated as a kid that you love now? Uh, I did not like mushrooms. No. I thought the texture was weird as a kid and it didn't taste like much. And then I must have had mushrooms and like it was beef stroganoff. It was a Beef stroganoff that I had in Peru, oddly enough, because uh, my dad works for the government and we traveled a lot. So I was in Peru for middle school. And that was my first exposure to like really 
interesting foods that I just wasn't exposed to it in East LA at the time. Um, but my, um, our cook made, wow, I sound very privileged. I'm so sorry. But anyways, our cook, um, made this, uh, beef stroganoff with these mushrooms. And that was the first time that I was like, oh, mushrooms really slap. These are really good. Yeah. I love mushrooms. Yeah. Mushrooms in anything is amazing. I like magic mushrooms. Well, that's different. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know about I that. I bet you do. <laughs> Can we talk about the first time that Marcus and I did shrooms together? Did I fall asleep? No. Okay. So it was on his birthday. It was several years uh, ago. I was still in my concussion stage. Whatever. So <laughs> Marcus kept telling me. So I did hey, mushrooms one time when I was in college. And then I hadn't done them again, right? And so Marcos was like, oh, I can be your guide. I do mushrooms all the time. Keep in mind, I just got too high to fucking follow the story. So we were in in Dewey, Dewey, of all places. We were with, it was me and Marcus and then his um, friend Aaron and their other friend Heather. So... Heather and, and Aaron had gone back to the hotel, and Marcus and I were still going out. Marcus I'm running. Like, yeah. He was like, yeah, we're going to do mushrooms. And I was like, okay. I had a like, weird experience the last time. He was like, no, I'll be your guide. And I was like, okay. So then we do the mushroom. How did you consume the mushrooms? We I heard ate you, them. We ate you them. ate them. Okay. Yeah. So now we're like walking up the street, and then the next thing you know, I'm, I'm Marcus clearly had more than I did. And I was like, he's now zigzagging back and forth in the highway. And I was like, oh, what's happening? So I'm trying to like pull myself down because I've already sort of started like in my journey to the shrooming that Marcus had said that he was going to guide me in. And I was like, I need to pull myself back. So now we've like, I, I corralled him. I brought him back hotel room we're like aaron and heather in one bed marcus and i are in the other marcus is going like like an animal he's making these sounds (sighs) because of this because i do have asthma and i do have allergies no 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 no. this had nothing to do with your asthma i had 100 to do with it it had nothing to do with it he what he sounded like a fucking bear and he just kept going so anyway, the next story is play some TikToks. We're gonna play some TikToks. So I kept I kept trying to pat him and be like, just go, shh, just go. And he just I don't even know how long this went on. Heather finally went, she popped up off her bed. She goes, God damn it, Marcus, shut the fuck up. She started screaming at him. She, I think she even came over the bed and fucking smacked him on the head. She was like, God damn it, shut the fuck up. And she like went outside and started smoking a cigarette. And I was like, oh, I understand. <laughs> so speaking of crazy people, uh, we all know that the right is wild. Wow. And we all know Marjorie Tara Green is, um, she's special. She's special, bro. Here's special on a TikTok. Special. Special. And we're all here in Georgia. Can we just say thank you?
thank God for air conditioning. <laughs> Let's talk about refrigerators. I personally like my refrigerator. I know you all like yours. What about washing machines and dryers? Lord, please God, don't make me scrub clothes in a bucket and have to hang them out on the line when we switch over to wind turbines and solar panels. I'm going to be really pissed off about that. I mean, how absurd is this? I like the lights on. I want to stay up later at night. I don't. What is she talking about? That with the solar panels, that like when the sun goes down, the electric goes away. Why is she so dumb? Why is she so dumb? Um, also, why are those people that are listening to her so dumb? Why? So I, let's, I don't understand. Stephanie, tell us why. What, me? No. It's not necessarily hey. Mississippi. It is really just... No, but I will say, like, so the thing is, like, I think about this all the time, and, like, about like Donald Trump and he made this all bad, but I'm like Donald Trump is Donald Trump was a New York Democrat right before he ran for president. He, he was a hundred percent because he said he could convince the idiots to follow him. Exactly, he was a New York Democrat. It was always a top-down thing, you know. He donated to the Clintons. He was friends with all these people, right? Like he they were buddies. He said he was a great right? Like, they were all hanging out. He was friends with what Russell Simmons, all of them, you know. I don't know, doing whatever. He's a piece of shit, man. Yeah. And so I look at a Marjorie Taylor Greene, I was like, I don't necessarily, I think there are people that want to be lied to, right? And they want to be lied to. They're open to the lie, right? And so that's all it is because like that they've been doing that their whole life. Like, and like you, I, I grew up in a, I grew up in the Bible Belt. I went to a white Christian academy. You know, what was, what was, your, uh, what was your name of that school? What was the? Uh, so our well, our mascot word mascot. was the Crusaders. The Crusaders, yeah, the Crusaders. FPDS. <laughs> yeah. And and it wasn't until like recently I was like, let me do more. Re I, like I knew the history of like Christian academies in Mississippi. Like they all pop up around like 1965 to 1967, right? Right around the time the school got integrated. Suddenly you have all white Christian academies. Um, <laughs> and it's all throughout the South. You see them, they're everywhere. But I think like those people, like they need, they need the lie. Like that's part of like their identity, which is why they fight so hard. When you attack, not even attack them, like, like if you just say like a fact, like they get very upset, disturbed, they go visit like Mount Vernon in Virginia and they're like, I can't believe they talked about slavery the whole time. They're really upset about it. But you went to a they get very park. defensive because very defensive. if you, if you, um, I feel like if you um, break down their narrative, then it fucks They're up their whole, their whole mindset, right? I mean, yeah, it's not it's just them. It's like a lot of people. It's also like the progressive left. It's not yeah. just them. Oh, right? it's not. Like, oh, I told it's, I told Marcus about like one of my classmates, and I love her dearly. But she was talking about. She was like, "Where is your family from?" Right? And she's like, "And you know, where are they from?" And I was like, "Mississippi." She's like, "No, but where are they from?" And I was like, "They were slaves." <laughs> and I was like, like they built this shit, you know. And she was like, oh, oh, and it's like it never, 
she, of course she knew what slavery was, but for some reason she didn't make a connection, right? Of like, no, these are real people with real people that came after them that, you know what I mean? Like they have, we're a family and this happened in my, this happened to my family, right? I'm a human being and you go to school with me. So it was the connection where there's always that cognitive dissonance there. So I think yes. about Martha Taylor Green and what she's I'm like, she's saying like, you know, they're going to take away this. You're not going to have lights. And, you know, on one level, I get that. Like I'm a teacher at heart. So I like to teach people when they, when they say those things. Sometimes people have a genuine question. They're like, because everyone around them is saying the same thing. They genuinely believe it. So I'm all, all right. about, like, before I judge you, okay, as a teacher, I'm like, in a certain setting, not every setting. Some people are assholes. They don't give a fuck. Um, but I'm also open to, I'll have a conversation with you. I'll explain that to you. If you genuinely just didn't know. Because some people genuinely don't know. And I know if I come at them with, you're an idiot, they're going to be like, yeah, yeah, they're going to just check because sometimes it is just defensiveness and shame. shame. And so, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's not just in the U.S. either. Like, uh, when I did Peace Corps in Northern Thailand, there were a lot of things where I would say something or I'd try to say it in Thai, and it would just be, chan like, challenging the narrative that existed. And I think one of the, like, most jarring ones for me, just based on how I grew up, was the concept of, like, what is considered black skin. So when I got to my village, they said I was black. And I was like, no, that's not what I was taught black was. Like, black is something else in America. And like, no, you're you're black and you're ugly. And I'm like, whoa, hold up. Like, I know that that's wrong based on my belief system. And I was like, no, like, this is wrong. And they're like, no, like, it's true. We're going to put white powder on you. And then finally, I just, I just gave in. I was like, you know what? Fine. I'm black. If you want to say I'm black, I am the blackest person you'll ever meet. And we're just going to see how this goes. And so I just went around for that village for two years, just being called Black Sarah. And it was really like eye-opening <laughs> because I'm thinking I'm Southeast Asian American in a Southeast Asian country. And this is, I don't want to say ridiculous. It was just, it was very eye-opening. Oh, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. But when you think about it, being in that country, it's not because it's all mostly Thai people. And anyone who is not Thai, who is of a darker skin color, in their in their mind, that is what a black person is. Right. So culturally, it's different. You know, it's the same in the Philippines. Like, culturally, it's different. Like, they they don't um, because you know in the Philippines there weren't there weren't a lot of uh, there weren't a lot of black people. You know, I mean, there weren't a lot of Africans. There weren't a lot of African Americans unless they were like coming from. America from, you know, with the um, military or whatever, you know, I mean, they, that's not something that they were exposed to in the Philippines back then, way back when. I mean, now, yes, but like way back when, like my parents' generation. Yeah. And so, I mean, like, uh, um, like a story that I was, I was made aware of as I was an adult, my mom, like my parents were not, they, they didn't ever see black people in the Philippines. Like they really didn't, you know? And uh, when they came to the States, uh, I I was born in new, it was in Newark, New Jersey, where I was born. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's a very, very, there's a very black community. There's a big black community in Newark. And my mom was like, apparently she was, you know, 
pushing me around as an infant. She was pushing me around in the, I mean, and this is not any way to like disparage my mom because she just didn't know. Right. But, uh, so she was pushing me in the stroller and there was a, a very dark black man who came over and was like, Oh, your baby's so my mom, she freaked out and she thought it was like a demon. She was like, Oh, and she just like started screaming and she ran away and she had no idea. No idea because she'd never been exposed to anybody of dark, very dark skin, you know? And like, and it wasn't because she was racist, you know, it's because she'd not been exposed. Mm-hmm. She had no idea, you know, she, she just, I mean, now this is like in the seventies, you know? So like, it's not even like TV or like, well, I think that, yeah, I mean, I think the bigger issue there is also like the fact that black means ugly, right? And they learned that. Right. Even if they've never seen a black person, they said black, right? And the word black, the word meaning ugly, right? Right. But and it wasn't necessarily you, even like black, it was darker. Like for mm-hmm. in the Philippines yeah. back then, um, darker skinned meant that you worked in, that you were in the sun and that yeah. you worked in the rice paddies. Yeah. So, like, yeah. you know, yeah. so that, that that meant you were like working class or or whatever you know and so it was um more preferred that you were lighter skinned and that meant that you were like a little you know upper more upper class that you weren't like working class and just shitty in and of itself but like you know i mean again that was like very many 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 years ago yeah and i will say this i oh go ahead I think you see that everywhere. Like even when I worked in DC, like I still and I still work, I still kind of I work in DC. But I was at a consulting firm, and they were always be, like having events like women of color, women of color, and grouping us all into one group. And I was like, eh. I was like, dude, I won't name the consulting firm, but I'll say this: when I got there, one of the first jobs I did, I was a subcontractor, and they put me with this one woman, right? And she was an Asian woman. And at first, like, I didn't, like, we kind of worked, we were very distant from each other. And then, like, we kind of started working more closely together. But she was fucking asshole to me. Like, she was horrible to me, right? And I think they were like, but you're both women of color. And it's like, uh, 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 uh. I was like, Great. I need you to understand a few things about that. Like, oh, girl, Samia, I'll, I'll say her name because you can't pray for that. Like Samia is Indian. Samia has a color issue. Samia thinks as a black person, because she's looking, she's 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 grading me based on my skin color and hair texture. She is. I like she just was. It's is what it is. She treated other Asian people like shit, right? I was like, so I'm not a white man. Samia treats me like a fucking dog. Like she thinks I'm less than human, and that just is what it is. I was like. So if you're having these events, women of color, you need to make like that's make some distinctions. Be race aware. <laughs> Does it like just be race conscious when you're making and like just make people aware. Like that doesn't we're both we're non-white. And I was like, that's the problem. There's a bunch of white people in charge. And I'm like, they're non-white. Look, you're all and I was like, Mm-mm-mm. you're all together. Yes, we're all together. Like, there's nuance there, okay? Um, <laughs> it's like, and there's a there's a color gradient that you, as white people, created. 
I need y'all to know your own shit. Like, right? Like, I shouldn't have to explain white supremacy to itself. So. <laughs> well, here's the thing about white supremacy. They don't care about the rest. We know our fucking narrative. Yeah. We don't care about yours. Yeah. We just see, we see brown people we're gonna put them all together and they, they can yeah. figure the yeah. shit out together. Oh, you're in a category, especially with white supremacists and racism. Come, oh, you guys, here's your fucking piece of the pie. Here's your 10% yeah. piece of the pie. Yeah, yeah. Here's your fucking festival. Here's your, fucking, here's your thing. All work together. Figure it out. I will say this, like, um, because I was in Peace Corps, I had the unique experience of being in that village for two years. <laughs> and so for me, it... I realized this probably well after my service. Like there was some sort of power in me being there as a so-called black person in in like middle of nowhere, Thailand. And I just learned, you know what, I'm just going to be myself and see what happens. And like certain kids would approach me with skin that was my color and being like, oh, like, why don't you put on white powder at the parades? And I'm like, well, because one, I like my skin and two, I would just sweat off the powder anyways because it's like freaking hot in the middle of April. Like I'm (laughs) not going to wear this powder. And so like a year and a half into my um, service, I was at a school recital and there were these three girls that I taught. They were like between middle school and high school. And I noticed they were like looking down on the floor, getting ready for this dance and they wouldn't look their teacher in the eye and the teacher's holding the white powder in her hand and she just storms off. And I'm thinking something's wrong. So I go over, I'm like, hey, is everything okay? And they're like, we don't wanna put the powder on. And when I asked them why, they said, because we're black, just like you. Aww. And I went to the bathroom and bawled my eyes out. Aww. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So, yeah, that I think awesome. it's, yeah. it's very poignant. Yeah, yeah. That's really poignant because I think like, but it shows like the, I don't know, like just the strength of like, to me, like anti-blackness, but also, like, also anti-indigenousness worldwide, mm-hmm. right? And but where, where, <laughs> where did it come from? Where did where where did whiteness become? Where was it created? Where was it? Where did it come from? Like, because we're I, mean, I, don't, I we're think not, it's been like systematic I mean, for like centuries. That's what I'm saying. Where right? did I mean, come from? I mean, exactly. I mean, by white people, of course, right? Like, well, no, they, no, obviously, that, like, when I was mean, it I mean, I have a very loose understanding of that history, where it's like I know that. I think some course where they talked about like, you know, when Europeans first came to Africa and they literally thought that Africans were like animals. Like, you know, my favorite to Africa was them teaching about fucking religion and religion coming from fucking Africa. It's like yeah. Crusaders. So far now, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, 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 well, the religion no, that you are fucking preaching came from Africa. So, yeah. so the fuck out. Okay, go back over that again because sorry, I got distracted. ADHD and computer battery running down. Please repeat. <laughs> plug that shit in, girl. I plugged it in. We're plugged in now. All right, cool. But no, so, so, like, I, like, I mean, where did whiteness come from? Because we're not a race. We're just whiteness. We're fucking, we're not. We have no well, well, I mean, well, well, what I've learned about it is, and people have said this, you know, it's about white people, right, before they were white people, they were, you know, they wanted power and they wanted certainty, right? And certainty, right, 
And you, and you see it today with the insurrectionists. You like listen to like even the prayers they were doing in front of the Capitol. What they really want, like they don't care about what's right and wrong. They don't really feel like wrong. They, they, but they, what they want is certainty, right? That's what, that's what gerrymandering is about. It's about certainty. I don't care if I really won. I just want to. I just want to say that I did, right? I just, right. I want the control. I want to know that at the end of the day, there's a system in place where I'm going to be on top every time. Because if there's not, and I actually. And that is like the common theme of everything, right? Yeah. White people are afraid to lose fucking power. We're afraid. I mean, and and it's like, that, I, I like my life. I like who I am. But you have these motherfuckers like, oh, my fucking grandkids, and my like, no, it has not. But if that's been your whole life, right? Like that's been your whole life. The thing is, you have the people that came up with that. You look at like the Willie Lynch papers and how they said like, you know, we're gonna separate, we get the black, we get these African slaves here, we're gonna turn them. We're going to turn an African into a slave, and it was a very organized event of turning an African right. into a slave. Right? We're gonna we're gonna make like make them like uh, forget their language, right? Like dehumanize them, forget their language, everything, uh, right? Get rid of the religion. Got to get rid of the religion, yeah. right? And what's interesting about that, we think about the religious aspect of it. I've met all these white people who love New Orleans, right? They love New Orleans. But what makes New Orleans unique is the fact that it was the only place in the United States where slaves were allowed to continue to practice their native religions. So when you look at New Orleans, the uniqueness of the religion, voodoo, the food, everything, it's the Africanness of it. I'm a local New Orleans person. Like, I can't yeah. say, but my heart and soul, New Orleans. Yes, right? And so that's what's so unique about it, about the food, about the language, about everything about it, everything you see about it that you love about it. I'm like, what you love is the Africanness of it. So when I look, I've worked in these, I've worked in a lot of places, especially a lot of nonprofits in DC, and I hate it because I was like, and no offense to you, Sarah, but I worked with a lot of white Peace Corps volunteers. I never had any like people of color volunteers. Oh, trust me, there were white saviors in the Peace Corps. Oh. <laughs> so let me, let me cut it real fast. Like, let me cut it real fast. Like, you two both are Peace Corps. I'm not and Peace Corps. Oh, no, no, I'm, not, I'm not Peace Corps. I never did Peace Corps. Oh, you were never Peace Corps? I was never Peace Corps. I had a bad experience of Peace Corps because I worked. So my work, my first jobs in DC was all white Peace Corps volunteers. They hated me and they hated every black woman that worked in this organization. And they were so nasty to us. And so I had this, so I got to the point, I was like, done with global, I will never, I won't do global health. I'm like, I was kind of done with public health for a few years. Like, I was like, I'm not doing, I was like, I, I, I don't think this is for me. I don't think I'm wanted here. Right. Right. I don't think my voice, and I had a boss tell me that you're not wanted here. We don't want to hear what you have to say. Right. And she was a white woman saying this, and she did not get what was wrong with what she was saying. Or maybe she did get it, and she would, she just didn't care because. There's not a lot of white people like me. Well, there aren't. You know what? There aren't. There aren't. And I think, like, there is this, it's a form of psychosis is what I realized it was. <laughs> Where it's like, I imagine if I, if I were born white, right? I don't know what that would be like. But if I were born white, I, like, I, was, I would think about what kind of white person would I be. I do that all the time. Like, what kind of white person would you be? You'd probably be right? like me. I might, but I might not. You know, I realize I'm very strong in my convictions. I'm very opinionated. Maybe I would be like a Marjorie. That wouldn't be her because she's. Listen, when I was a young kid, 
And I was looking at my dad, and I was like eight years old. I looked at the crowns, and I saw like the color black, and I saw like the color peach and shit. It was like, yeah, why are black people called black? Because this is black. It's like coffee and shit. None of the black people I see match black on this ground. I was like, I see peach. I'm not white. I'm peach. Like, like yeah. it's an eight-year-old thought process, and like, yeah, it's the whole like thematizing like the colors, and fucking like right and wrong type. So at eight years old, I started seeing the bullshit that I saw. Now, also at the same time, I grew up with parents who, and, and my my grandparents owned a junkyard, so I was like exposed to so many like racists and people who were like poor, and like you, you strip down the like the statue of fucking like power and money. So when you're working with a bunch of poor people, white. Black, brown, it doesn't matter that, and they all are just trying to survive. Like, and that made me realize and see, like, we're all the fucking same. We're all the fucking. Why are we fighting each other? And that was my thing. But as I grew older, I started to see the like the money concept and the fucking the, the fucking, you know, I started seeing the concepts, and I'm like, oh, this is fucked up, and this, we shouldn't be fighting. And so, so what is It's like that person is the boogeyman. This and it's that. I'm like, yeah, this is gross. It's fuck, you know. And like, but again, I'm a white person who's been privileged to see all this. A white male, I see. So like, my world is like, honestly, if I wanted to turn a blind, you could be like, ah, fuck everybody else. I can fuck. I'm white man. I can fucking live everything straightforward. Yeah. But I've had an issue with that because they cannot turn my cheek on. Everybody else. I, I, yeah. I just, I'd rather fight the white man as opposed to fighting the, the brown man or the, or the black man. I can't exactly. do it. Can't exactly. Do it. And that's the thing. So for me, like, I was, as a black woman, when I worked in nonprofits, working in public health, I mostly, when it came to, like, the day-to-day upkeeping of white supremacy, it, in my opinion, from my point of view, right, it came from white women. I kind of felt like white women did the day-to-day upkeep of white supremacy. Like, they're cleaning the baseboards. They're making sure you don't get out of your place. They're upholding it. They're doing the grass. They were doing the grassroots work. The white men are like, right, yeah. it. they're like, I'm going to go have a whiskey. I'm going to chill over here. Sarah, you get it done. You know? You're <laughs> wrong. <laughs> Sarah. <laughs> oh man! No, not you, Sarah. Oh my God, I was—I did not mean you at all. <laughs> she probably was an H. It wasn't me. It was Sarah with an H. It was Sarah with an H. It was Sarah with an H. Sarah Green Gables. It was her. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Can I say one thing, now? Sarah? Where did name Klein come from? Oh, so that's interesting. Uh, my mom <laughs> married my um, Caucasian stepdad who i know is my dad because i don't know my biological dad when i was four okay so i i had an interesting childhood in the sense that my caucasian family took us in and i was raised under the notion that everyone is created and treated equally or should be treated equally and through the white family through the white family right but my mom who's filipino also taught me that because she's a teacher and you know she loves all of her students equally and wants them to learn that they should treat each other equally now i wasn't 
exposed to racism until I was nine when I moved to Virginia when my dad was getting training for his job. And my mom and I would get sit, sat at the back of restaurants. Ooh. And Ooh. I didn't know at the time, but my mom, it kind of clicked like she knew exactly what was going on. And she kind of made it her mission to kind of guard me from that, which is, you know, both a good thing and a challenging thing in the sense that I didn't get those conversations until I was older. And I always wondered what would have happened if I had gotten that conversation at nine years old. Right. And yeah. that's like a tricky thing, yeah. right? Because like, yeah. you don't, as a parent, you don't necessarily want to, you want to um, shield your child from that, yeah. right? Yeah, right. absolutely. absolutely. And then it's like a, it's a, it's a fine line to, to, I don't know. To it is. You know? It's hard. Like, you know, I feel like even, so I'll say that my mom, like she was one of the first, black women to get like a management position with with what is now AT&T. Back then it was like Bell South, South Central Bell, whatever. It was Bell, it was Bell right, South, right. Bell East, Bell, yeah. yeah. And so Bell. she was with South Central Bell back in the day. And she's one of the first black women to get was information. Like and even the way she got, the way it happened, it was because her boss, that right, was, it was like, so he had affirmative action, right? My mom will tell you like affirmative action, she was like, uh, she was like, that didn't really benefit black women too much or black men too much. She's like, Affirmative action, like within her position, within her job, where she worked, she was like, it was all white women, and white women would promote other white women, right? And so she was like, when I got my, when, when I was working there, it was the first time I ever had like horrible like job reviews. I would get this one white woman, she would horrible reviews, horrible reviews. And it was then, and after, it wasn't until that woman went on maternity leave that my mom was like, all of a sudden, my boss, who was a white man, realized, oh, the work is still getting done. It's getting done at the same level of quality. So who the fuck is doing it, right? This black woman's been doing this work this whole time, right? But when she first got there, like got into those positions, like she was just like, you know, I was like the only one there. It was just me. And like when she had like secretaries or a white woman, she was like, oh, they wouldn't even do the work that I gave them. They would just throw it in the trash like, right in front of my face. Right? And my mom didn't tell me these stories until I was an adult. And I was dealing with you actually asked the questions that mattered until I was an adult, and suddenly she was like, Oh, this happened, this happened. I'm like, Why didn't you tell me this? And you should have told me, and it's going to be warned. And you let me think that the world was equal and great, and this, and now I'm, you know, I'm frustrated, I'm angry, I'm depressed, and anxious, right? And it's like, You know what? She did the best she could. And also, the reason why I knew I deserved better was because she told me, You right. deserve better than that. And I saw that I deserve better than that. So when someone did fuck up shit to me, I was like, this is wrong and I deserve better than that. So I think it's all, it's like on one hand as a parent, I think you want to, they want to prepare you. But on mm -hmm. the other hand, like, I want you to learn, like you do deserve to be treated equally. You do deserve right. to be treated better. I think right, the right? parents so, like always want to, you know, shield their kids from, you know, shit. from Bullshit. harm Bullshit. And, Bullshit. and pain, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that sometimes you know, you, you, in retrospect, you want to be like, oh, well, they should have prepared me, but also like parents like want to, don't want their children to experience pain. You know, I look back on um, how my, my parents were, you know, my mom and like, I think that there are a lot of situations where, you know, they tried, she really tried to shield me from, you know, whether uh, from, from hardship or pain or, or a struggle. And I think that, 
you know, whether it's good or bad in retrospect, you know, I think that that's what they were trying to do. You know, it wasn't yeah. like they were, they had malintention. Yeah. Right. Like it was like, yeah. she was like trying to make sure that like I didn't struggle or I didn't, you know, like I, I sometimes think that like, oh, my parents, like they never allowed me, they, they would never allow me to have a job, you know, when I was younger because, um, you know, yeah. I was like, whatever, yeah. they were trying to, they were trying to control my life. But so, like, I know, looking back on it, it's because they struggled when they were in the Philippines, when they came to the States, they were like, they came here because they wanted my brother and I to have a better life. And so for them, in their minds, if, if we worked when we were younger, before we were adults, you know, if we, if we had a job before, before we were like, able to to leave leave the house or whatever leave the nest then that meant that they hadn't succeeded that they weren't succeeding in providing for us so then for them they didn't want us to have jobs you know yeah so like as much as my brother and i fought with them they were like no you couldn't i couldn't even babysit i wasn't allowed to babysit you know when i was little because they didn't want the, it it was for them it was like this this mentality of like then they didn't succeed when they came to the state so, i mean i get it now you know but yeah. when i was growing up i was like they're being jerks you know like <laughs> so have you guys heard of the dropkick murphys yes nope. we all know dropkick murphys are irish fucking yeah. uh, soldiers dropkick murphys talking about maga I'm sorry, kids. I know there's kids here. They're no part of the problem, and I'll tell you why. Because you're being duped by the greatest swindler in the history of the world. You're being duped by a bunch of grifters and billionaires who don't give a shit about you or your family. So my dad introduced me to Dropkick Murphys. <laughs> did he really? See, that's amazing. I love her. He did. I love them. I'm definitely a product of my parents. Um, uh, yeah, my parents, I think they did right by me overall just because I'm a very, like, optimistic, curious person. And I think one story that truly embodies that, and I think my mom will appreciate me sharing this, was when we were first living in Virginia and my dad was, like, doing training out of state. Um, I became a coin collector and I was like nine years old and my mom and I went out to Virginia and we passed by a general store with Confederate flags and I didn't know what a Confederate flag was. And she, I think chose, a to, you have a little dick. <laughs> she chose not to explain to me what it was. Cause I really wanted to go into the general store to get coins. She was like, okay, let's see how this goes. And we go in and it's a bunch of 
old white guys with beards, basically Marcus's. Um, and I say Marcus's because <laughs> they were the uh, nicest guys. They were the nicest guys ever. They offered my mom lemonade. They like sat me on the barrel and like showed me the coins. And like, I think, yeah, my mom made the right decision to maybe not explain certain things to me right away because it left me open to like the possibility that these people might be okay after all. We're not. Not uh, everybody. Not you're you're like people. not Marcus. <laughs> so have you Most ever, of them ever are not like Marcus? So do you like uh, shit? Oh, what's the fucking show? Um, Dirty Dancing. Yes, the movie, movie Dirty Dancing. Dirty Dancing. We all have done this. Oh, did it stop? Um, oh, when he goes like he goes, he does the jump, and there's nobody to catch him. <laughs> I love it. I love it. See, I don't like this And then he jumps. Let's see if I can play it later. Play. Uh, uh, I didn't play. What is happening with Strawberry lately? And it won't play these things, man. That's really funny. Oh, no. It's the best. All right. I'm going to take myself out so I can put it on another system. You guys keep talking. Anyway, it's an awesome, it's a real great video. Um, uh, I P.S. Dirty Dancing is one of my favorite shows, uh, movies ever. <laughs> I, don't show. That, I mean, I love Patrick Swayze because I love him. Mm -hmm. Love him. I mean, so there's a meme that I sent to Marcus, so hopefully he'll show earlier, uh, sooner rather than later. But it is like, it's about um, how looking back on Dirty Dancing, like, her dad was not wrong. Marcus, do you have that meme? Oh, let me, hold on, let me reload everything. I'm just asking you if you did. Because I was just telling them there's a meme about how, like, the dad was not wrong to be upset with baby, you know, like. I mean, will we have made, been mad at baby? With, huh? So, will we have been mad at baby? For... No, we shouldn't have been. Because, but we all uh, oh, wait, wait, baby. wait. No, we should have been like, fuck you, baby. You're a fucking child. You're 18 years old. Like, sit the fuck but down. But none of us said that, though. Ah, uh, yeah, that's true. That's true because everyone's like, nobody puts baby in the corner, but hello, you were cavorting with this 40 year old man who potentially 
had gotten, I mean, we find out later that he didn't, but like he potentially had gotten somebody pregnant. You know what? Like, no, no. In my older years, if my goddaughter was like hanging out with some fucking 30 year old guy, I'd be like, bitch, no, go home. You're grounded. Yep. <laughs> exactly. As her godmother, I would be like, you are grounded. I don't care what your parents say. You're grounded. Grounded. I love my god baby. I'm like, no, <laughs> I would not allow her to be hanging out with somebody 30 years old. Fuck that shit. And I'm I mean, fun auntie. I am fun auntie. Makes me think about like every every celebrity relationship where it's like some old ass man with a very young woman. Even like Beyonce and Jay Z, I'm like Jay Z. Like, when did you meet this girl? What? How old? She's 16, 17. How old is Beyonce at the time? 16, 17. He was like, right? 20. No, 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 no. Don't do it. I'm I doing think it. Back, even on my my own life, mm. like there was a period of time when I had a massive crush on somebody who was six years older than me. That's fine. There's a, a crush. No, no, no. Hold on. I was only 15 years old. So six years older than me, that's too much. I was you only can have 15. the crush. You can have the crush. Right. It's so I had the crush, but like if I were to follow through with it, or if that 21-year-old had followed through with that, like that's not okay. It's I'm not only okay. 15, right? Well, the, well, the thing 15. is, it's not on you. The thing is, it's normal. Like, this is the thing. I thought I think about even like R. Kelly, right? People are like, oh my god, how could that happen? I was like. I could never fall for an R. Kelly. Like, I always thought, like, he's ugly as fuck. I don't like that motherfucker. Like, you know, gross. But let's say it was Kevin from the Backstreet Boys, who I loved. Okay. Who I loved. Right. All right. And I was 14, 15. If he were a creep, if he were a creep, yeah, that would be a really fucked up situation. So, so I'm not saying on my end that like yeah. that it was an issue. I'm saying on his end, if he oh, had yeah. acted on it, then yeah. that's like a little bit like yeah, milk, right. But I think of all this stuff that's come out like with all these like movements and like Me Too and all this, and you look back at it and you're like, well, why didn't none of these other men in the industry say anything? Like they can't. Jay Z can't say anything. He met Beyonce when she was 16. Russell Simmons can't say anything. He met Kamora Lee when she was 13. They can't say anything about R. Kelly. They all met their wives and they were like teenagers. Teenagers. Ew. Nice. Gross. Ew. 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 Right? Right? So I guess that's what I'm saying is that like, you know, I might have had a crush on him, but thank, like, God bless he never acted on it, you know, because like I was six years younger than him. And, uh, I, I mean, I massively had a crush on him. Yeah. And I would have, you know, I don't know. All right. Let's see if I can play this one, the Toronto baseball team. What? Oh. <laughs> Nobody can see that? Awesome. Can't see it. I can hear it. No? Okay. I can hear right. it. I can You're hear seeing it. it. Um, the things of doing live things. Yep, nobody can see. Nope. Mm -mm. Let's try this one live. More than ten years ago. Nope. 
frustration Marcus has. This live. There we go. I saw it. We saw okay, it. so MAGA has a new fucking uh, dating site. Oh, no. no. Hey guys, I'm Ryan. I've got to tell you about something I am so excited to announce. A dating app for all of us conservatives. It's called The Right Stuff and it's launching this September. What I love most about it is that it's invite only. So not just anyone can join. First of all, it's free to use. And for my ladies, you'll never have to pay because we all get premium subscriptions for simply inviting oh, a couple friends. Oh, they'll pay for it. Gentlemen, if you want access to premium, that's on you. And by the way, those are the yeah. only two options, ladies and gentlemen. The Right Stuff is all about getting into the right dating pool with people who share the same values and beliefs as you. You'll start off by building your perfect profile. No pronouns necessary. We want you to put your best foot forward, which includes Wait. your favorite photos of yourself doing what you love or being with the people you love. Our prompts give you the opportunity to let people know various sides of you. So remember, be authentic and creative. We're sorry that you've had to endure years of bad dates and wasted time hate with you. people that don't see the world our way, the right way. The right. He said only for ladies and gentlemen, but he did need a pronoun. So which side are you on? <laughs> so hang on. I think the better goal would be that we all join the fucking website we yeah. all join and then we all go fuck them oh yeah i'm gonna say interested in ladies and gentlemen no no, no you can't because then they wouldn't approve you you have to just say that you're strictly only interested in men also that you're a christian possibly that you're a catholic also that you are very conservative and then you can fucking troll the fuck out of them what is this website? What is it? I'm the right stuff. It. Right the stuff. right. It's called the right way, which is interesting because you're like think about whenever you learn about the components of white supremacy. One of the components is there's a singular one right way. It's always like there's one right way to do everything, right? And so, I, but that's all throughout. Like that's even in that's even in like it's like the liberal. right way. No, that's a song. No, Maybe but that's right part stuff. of it. But that's the part right of the brainwash. Stuff. Is that there's a singular right way, right way to live your life, right? Singular right way to do everything. A singular right way to be married, to have kids, to do all of it. Marcus is going to sign up right now. <laughs> I'm going to sign up right now. There's a movie that was called The Right Stuff. PM. Right. Um, I mean, it's brilliant it? marketing. It is brilliant marketing. Uh, Dude, like, what the fuck is wrong with people? But I'm going to find this and I'm going to join it. And oh, look, the right stuff is a neo Nazi Holocaust denial and white national conspiracy theory media website hosting a blog and discussion forum, as well as podcasts, including The Daily Showa. What? What is the matter with that? I just don't understand. Sarah, hmm. I feel like I have a problem when you've only had one drink. No, I've and had, I've like had four. five. <laughs> I'm only one behind. This is my fifth one. You're a five drink Val. I love it. <laughs> oh, geez. All right. Get this tahine. Wait, what flavor is this? 
It's so I went to this wedding like a couple of weeks ago and I was like, you know, like I thought like I was my cousins and they drink, blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, do I have a problem? Because I was like, when are, are we going to continue drinking? And they were all like, I need some coffee. What do you mean coffee? Coffee? I thought we were going to day drink. There was no day drinking. I was the only one day drinking, and I was like, I think I have a problem. Did you do? I do. But, like, when I co cavort with the regular folks in my life, the regular industry folks, I feel like I'm okay. And then, I, so, and then I hang out with, like, the, the, the day drinkers, and I'm like, oh, no. Alright, so, I'm gonna play the next one. Okay, cool. The next tech talk is, uh, the way we should live all our lives. What? These motherfuckers, man. Spank me mad. All right, let's try this one. Feel. God damn it. <sighs> Shit, bitch. Bitch, what's wrong with you? Um, mm. no. All your TikToks are not working, Marcus. It's, it's, I, I can't control the system. I cannot control the system. Makes me mad. Let's have really good TikToks this week. On Amazon. And we can't get on. <clears throat> Sarah, you have anything else you want to tell? Um,. Yeah, I'm joining Karaoke League, so if anyone's interested or... I love have... me some karaoke. Yeah, it's Thursdays at Zeba Bar from 7 to 9, starting September 28th, I think. Going until mid-December. So it's like team competitions and very up my alley since I did a... Whatchamacallit? Um, choir and theater in high school. Like I said, I love karaoke. I wish I'll go out and sing sometime. I only like singing with other people. I don't like singing by myself. What's your go-to karaoke song? I don't have a go-to karaoke song. That's why I like to sing with other people. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> but if I did have a go-to karaoke song, one of them is... Um, what is it? Um the turnaround bride. Oh, that's a good song. Yeah, I don't know what that song's called either. What's that song called? Do you know? Maybe it's just called Turnaround. No. Bright Eyes? No. Um, I don't remember. I also I also like um Dancing Queen. I also like um the Ario Speedwagon song. Well, we built this city. That song. I like that song too. Nice. Aww. Recently, I've been 
rapping because I don't oh. like the sound of my voice usually when I'm singing. So I've done uh, with this group of people, uh, Lose Yourself by Eminem, Up by Cardi B, and this week I did Gangster's Paradise by Coolio. Oh, oh. Yeah. All right, Marcus. Do we have any more videos? Or just... No, we do. I think I. I think I figured it out. Yeah. Oh. I went over here trying to sneak cheese to myself because my dog sometimes wakes up if I open up cheese. Like, I open <laughs> up, get up and he's like, he just so wake up, he just slumber. Like... Hold on. There. Turn around, right eyes. <laughs> All right. Um, this thing. Oh, no, this. Huh? If you were born ten years ago, how old would you be today? Us Americans are stupid. Thirteen. Ten years ago. So if you were born in 2012, yeah. how old would you be? Thirteen. Yes. Do you know what country the Panama Canal is in? No. Guess a country. Never heard. I ain't heard of that. What country do you think it's in? I don't know. You don't. You don't know. How many zeros are in the number ten thousand and one? Like five. Yes. Is the Earth a revolve around the Sun or the Sun around the Earth? Okay. So, no. Anyway. Anyway. Well, I'm taking a shot. <laughs> <laughs> this many drinks. I'm going to complain. Okay. I have to write, I'm going to have to write email to these people and tell them I don't like this shit. Take care of. This is my favorite TikTok person, so hopefully it plays all the way through. For calling Amazon customer service, how can I help you? Where's my fucking package? Excuse me, ma'am. Jesus, are you stupid or deaf? Just let me speak to a supervisor and make sure it's someone who passed kindergarten. You know what? I'm gonna put you through to a specialist. I understand you like to disrespect people in customer service. Who is this? I'm the specialist. My name is Waffle House. What's your name? <sighs> Amanda. All right, cool. Listen here, Karen. You don't need to be yelling at nobody just trying to help you. I'll talk to people however I want. Tell you what, keep that shit up and see what happens. Oh, yeah? What are you gonna do, huh? You gonna hit me? Nah, I don't hit ladies. Or you. But I am referring you to another specialist. They should be at your house right now. Wait, what? Um, who the hell are you? Okay, I'm sorry. I promise I'll stop being a bitch. Great. I have all your information pulled up. Let's see what happened to your package. Having an attitude and having hands are two different things. Remember. Nope. Oh, Waffle House. Yeah. Waffle House is a special place. It's Yeah, I had it for the first time in uh, St. Louis last year, and it was pretty good. Remember that. The first time? Yeah. I know, like I don't know why I hadn't had it. Waffle House is a special place. It is a special place. 
But we're, gonna play, we're gonna try to play this one, and hopefully, for the love of God, it plays. Streamyard, you're no longer my friend. Bitch. Bitch, what's wrong with you? Bitch, what's today's date? Bitch, it's August 24th. Oh shit, I see what you're talking about. She's coming, bitch. Bitch, who are y'all talking about? Pumpkin spice lattes, bitch. No. Shit, already? We still got a little bit of time left, but we need to prepare ourselves. Bitch, nothing can prepare you for pumpkin spice latte season. My God, I can hear those Ugg boots now. And basic <laughs> bitches dressed up like Han Solo. I'm about to go to Hollywood <laughs> and fuck some shit up. Bitch, I ain't scared of no pumpkin spice latte. Bitch, you're black coffee. You're not afraid of anything. Anyone who drinks black coffee on the regular has killed at least three people. Oh my god, hey! How was your summer, guys? I mean, technically summer ain't over. Oh my god, I don't care. You know, this year I feel like I'm gonna do things different. My agent was saying something about pumpkin spice gum, and I love it. This is gonna be a long fall, bitch. Nope. You could yep. drink a melted pumpkin candle and get the same effect. Same effect. <laughs> a melted. Hold up. Say it again. A melted. A melted pumpkin, pumpkin candle. <laughs> and that would you're, probably you're... taste better than a pumpkin spice latte. So you're not a fan of the melted. It's pumpkin. garbage. <laughs> it's just so artificial. Like pumpkin shouldn't taste like. I that. liked it for the first time I tasted it, and then after that, I was like, <laughs> No, I don't like it anymore. I mean, pumpkin flavored anything is just like. Mm. I do like pumpkin things, but it has to be like fresh, like pumpkin bread from Panera, or like um, there's this good pumpkin curry at Tip Cow sometimes. But like, think about it, like pumpkin pie. I don't like either. I'm like, mm. yeah, I'm not big on pumpkin pie. I mean, I love. Pumpkin. I'm a sweet potato girl. Sweet potatoes. I'm like, I'm yeah. not gonna lie, I love pumpkin pie. Mm, I'm not. Love it. Not one. I love it. I also love sweet potato pie, though. Do you like Both. ube pie? Um, Don't I get this bitch talking about fall ube. Over oh ube my pie. god, here we go. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Did I open something? <laughs> oh my god, you opened everything. My brother makes the best ube pie. Yeah, I just so learned you, to make ube pie a few years ago, and now I make it every year. I'm going to make him make me some ube pie, my brother. Also, I'm going to make you make me some ube yeah. yeah, I can also make ube cheesecake. Oh, my God. So <laughs> ube is my favorite thing in the whole wide world. Oh, yeah, ube ice cream. Everything, everything ube is my favorite thing. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for another episode. <laughs> <laughs> I have too many Asians, too many fucking French, too many Filipinos in the house. There's never too many Filipinos. Can't ever have too many. One too many. Grab his dick and twist it. Oh my God, dude, this is an MMA fight, dude. You too much. Twist that dick. Twist his dick. Twist his dick. Oh my God. Oh, dick twist. Oh, dick twist. That's probably somebody. Tagline on the right stuff profile on the twist it, just fucking twist it. Twist this dick, and twist it. Oh, I gotta say, we're an enemy, totally insane. Are you pushing me on, me?